What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. Women and people of color are questioning their treatment in the brewing industry. Cristela Guerra of WBUR says it started in Boston two weeks ago when a woman spoke up on Instagram. The stories run through her mind as Brianne Allen drives to work at Notch Brewing in Salem. Her Instagram has become a vessel filled with accounts of abuse. It started off just that you're every day, like, women can't lift kegs, women shouldn't be brewing, like, just those offhanded, rude comments. And then it escalated really quickly into people talking about sexual violence and sexual harassment, racism from owners and superiors. She got comments like this one. I was just a brewer at the time when one of our distro company's owners came up to me and said, in light of the Me Too movement, I probably shouldn't say this, but you look really sexy driving that forklift. I wanted to crawl out of my body. Alan doesn't know who all these people are, but she knows what they've been through. They told her they were assaulted on the job, felt up by superiors, made to feel like they didn't belong. She knows the feeling. It happened recently as Alan worked to open Notch Brewing's newest location. Contractors talked to her like a puppy, calling it cute. She was helping. She's the company production manager. I'm like in the middle of building a brew house upside down on my back under machines, and they're just being super rude and asking me questions about like why I was there. Now, Alan's sharing anonymous stories publicly, forwarding messages to breweries, holding business owners accountable. She's gone from 2,000 followers on Instagram to 59,000 and counting. It's taken its toll. I haven't been sleeping or eating. How have I been handling it? That was the question. Not well. <laughs> just like crying every day. I mean, this is terrible. And it's not just women either. It's, it's everybody. Alan worries nothing will change. But people have resigned or been fired from breweries around the nation. Women are raising money. And a brewery in Philly is holding events to discuss sexism and racism in the industry. Anne Obenchain, spokesperson for the Brewers Association, said they just held the first of a three-part webinar on preventing sexual harassment. We had almost 700 people attend, so this was just a fantastic first start and encouraging to see the energy on that webinar. Like many state organizations, the Massachusetts Brewers Guild hasn't finalized its code of ethics and still doesn't have a formal complaint process. Night Shift Brewing is among the accused. Co-founder Michael Oxton said any allegations that mention Night Shift happened years ago 
and that those employees no longer work there. We're making proactive changes now to be even sort of hyper aware of what's happening with our staff internally. How can our staff bring issues to light really quickly? Brianne Allen says she doesn't think she'll give up until she sees systemic change. Probably not. Every time I get a comment, I get mad and then I have to talk about it. There's a reason Allen has earned every certificate she can, including how to make a Czech lager. They're the hardest beers to brew. Maybe then, no one will question her expertise. Allen and a fellow Nutch brewer have worked on a new beer in honor of this movement. It's called Brave Noise Pale Ale. For NPR News, I'm Cristela Guerra in Boston. Message to John Levy. Don't come for my hybrid work. I'm writing this message in all caps because I want my cyber shouting to grab your attention. I'm riled up about your recent objectionable prediction in the Boston Globe that hybrid work will disappear post-pandemic. Your research about connection, trust, and belonging leads you to favor the high-touch, face-to-face interaction of in-office workers. I would expect a behavioral scientist like yourself to toss around terms like the IKEA effect and vulnerability loop to explain how caring and trust accrues most to those in the office. Not sure, however, how you are overlooking the ready evidence of hybrid workers like me who've achieved high levels of productivity and maintain camaraderie with our remote team for nearly 14 months. And really not sure why your prediction is based on the Allen Curve communication studies of the 1970s. The 1970s? Even though you bolster your theory with a 2006 quote from MIT's Dr. Thomas Allen, I still find your closing statement particularly irritating. The facts suggest it would be better for employees and their companies to bring almost everyone in when it is safe enough. In addition to people like you raising concerns about hybrid work, there are a few business leaders who've come out against any version of working from home. In a Washington Post op-ed, Kathy Merrill, the CEO of Washingtonian Media, which publishes the Washingtonian magazine, acknowledged the future of the employment scene is some type of hybrid. But she also suggested employees who wanted to stay remote could lose benefits. Her employees responded with a one-day work stoppage. Meanwhile, the CEO of WeWork, Sandeep Mathrani, insulted his staff by saying only the least engaged enjoyed working from home. Both Mathrani and Merrill apologized. Gotta say, all of your antiquated sentiments have landed like a thud in the midst of the animated public discussion re-envisioning the future of work. Thank goodness there are many innovative business leaders meeting the moment by designing multiple variations on their traditional work week, including where and if there will be formal office space. Of course, many workers don't have a choice. Their work requires them to be in person. But for the millions of us who've only had to be on site some of the time, hybrid work has been a welcome option during the coronavirus for safety and sanity. It took a minute to get myself organized for optimum functioning, finding the right Zoom spot, investing in lighting, staying on top of my calendar, but it sure feels nice to tackle the massive reading I have to do in my comfy chair. If I'm honest, it takes more effort to do hybrid well, but I think it's worth it, and so do the folks who've spoken up in multiple surveys, like the Gallup poll, where most respondents claimed higher productivity, overall well-being, and greater engagement. 
John Levy, you might want to pay attention to the recent survey by Jobs Platform Live Career, which revealed 29% of 1,000 employees would quit their jobs if they could no longer work remotely. Don't come for our hybrid. Obviously, remote work is not for everybody. Fully remote workers will increase, though in the end, I predict hybrid will be considered a given and offered as a perk. Atlantic Magazine writer Amanda Mull examined the arguments from the office traditionalists and remote enthusiasts and came up with a perfect formula for remote work, two days remote, three days in the office. Her plan offers flexibility for employees, continuity for employers, and buy-in all around. Most of us have to work, but we're in a different headspace after a year or more of contemplating life and death. We are looking for work that is fulfilling and a way to work that enhances how we live. Employers who want to attract and retain talent understand. John Levy know this. Not only will hybrid work last, I predict your prediction will be proven wrong. Hybrid will shape the future of work. Callie Crossley, GBH, Boston's local NPR. In Washington, where two weeks from now, all remaining restrictions on how many people can pack into businesses will end. Around the country, businesses and state and local governments are dropping pandemic rules. More people will be heading back to in-person work soon. And so many employers are looking at whether they can require workers to get the vaccine. Johnny Taylor Jr. is president and CEO of the Society for Human Resource Management. Welcome back to All Things Considered. Glad to be here, Ari. How are you? All right. Let me just start by asking how much of your attention has been taken up by this one question of whether employers can legally require workers to get vaccinated. It's literally more than half of my time. Employers are from different industries, different geographic regions of the country. Everyone's asking that question. And the question is really two questions. Can I and should I? Those are huh. sometimes two different answers. Well, let's start with the can I question. I know there are a lot of opinions. Is there a simple yes, no answer to whether this is legal or not? Yes. And the answer is yes. The EEOC has said without a question that you can mandate it. There are caveats, the two being if, in fact, someone has a religious objection to it, they can ask for reasonable accommodation. And if someone has a serious health condition under a disability of sorts, that Title VII says you can't discriminate against people who can't take it. But other than that, absolutely, you can mandate it. Now, you say that this is clearly legal with those carve-outs, but already there are at least a couple of lawsuits arguing that employers cannot mandate this. There's one from a New Mexico corrections officer, another from teachers in Los Angeles. Do you expect to see more? We do. And listen, I'm a lawyer by training, right? And so nothing stops anyone from bringing a lawsuit. But the government's guidance has been clear. We had a national, you know, unlike anything, global health uh, crisis. And this was the response that if safety is priority, workplace safety is priority, and we have a way to improve and enhance workplace, workplace safety, which includes asking people to be, man to be vaccinated, then the courts have said that's reasonable. Now, you say there are two questions, can they and should they? The can they question might be straightforward. The should they question sounds a little more complicated. What are you advising people? So we're saying it depends upon your culture, Ari. Like at the end of the day, some organizations, and most, by the way, don't, most people don't want to mandate, especially to Americans, anything. And so we went for a long time with strongly encourage. Right now, however, with more than 50% of the American population being adult population being vaccinated, and we have not had in any significant numbers people die or become seriously ill, more and more employers are saying, 
And you know what? Mandate is what we're going to do. We first tried to strongly encourage you. We motivated you. We enticed you with employers. We're we're paying people to do it. But now it's time for us to get back to work. And we have to provide as safe of a workplace as we can. So you must do it. Delta Airlines just did it, for example. Now, Delta is a huge company. When when we, we spoke to you last in December, as the first vaccines were being authorized, you predicted that many small companies would require vaccines because when they're just a few employees, somebody calling out sick could be a very big deal. Have you seen that play out? Well, there's no question. The small and medium-sized companies are all over this, right? They're like, listen, it, one single point of failure, one employee gets sick, gets a customer sick, we hit the headlines, our business is in trouble. So small and medium-sized businesses are clearly going toward the mandate. I was surprised to see the tide turn. You're right. When we spoke earlier in the year, big companies like United were considering it, but didn't, United Airlines that is, but then all of a sudden Delta came out and now consistently we're seeing the drumbeat of companies saying, Yes, we're going to mandate it. Now, interestingly, Delta said our current employees, we're not going to mandate. We're going to strongly encourage all new employees. You must be vaccinated to work here. Hmm. So you're saying the tide is moving in the direction of requiring vaccinations. What do the companies that are not requiring it have in common? What's the reason they give for that? You know, it's their culture. People are pushing back. Again, it's that American thing. We don't like to be told to do anything. We don't mind complying. We don't even mind you strongly encouraging. But when you tell me I have to do it, I immediately don't want to do it just for general, like GP. And so that's what they're seeing. And they're trying to go with, you know, if everything works, we want people to do this on their own. That is Johnny Taylor, Jr., President and CEO of the Society for Human Resource Management. Great to talk to you again. Thanks a lot. Great talking with you. Be well. This. Listen, just touching on some real issues right here tonight. That's, That's, right. All. That's all. That's all. I want good. y'all to observe the excellence here. BX providing the Sonics, my man, Minnesota. I'm letting the beat ride out because it's a part that I like when it come up. You know what I'm saying? I take this time to say what's up to my family. <laughs> you hear that? You know what I'm saying? For sure. Just observe the excellence of that. That's many. Hey, back. Fall back. Uh-uh, with the guitars. It's hip-hop music. It's good enough to speak for itself. And you got to do right by it. Minnesota. Ain't no black people in Minnesota. It's been one year since unrest, looting, and rioting left 1,500 Minneapolis businesses damaged with different degrees of severity. Those leading recovery efforts in the city say most businesses that did not completely lose their buildings have reopened. I'm Nina Moini. These business owners tell me they still face challenges, but also opportunities on the path to rebuilding. There's a serene quality to Phoebe Wynn's newest store at Mall of America. I sell all-natural skincare, bath products, and hair products. She opened her first location inside Midtown Global Market in South Minneapolis just a few months before COVID-19. My memories of the market before I even opened a business there was how festive it was. Wynn says business came to a screeching halt after unrest in late May and early June last year. Vandals and arsonists caused damage in many critical business corridors across Minneapolis and St. Paul in the days following the killing of George Floyd one year ago. Thanks to a security team and residents living above Midtown Global Market, Wynn says her business sustained minor damage, broken windows. But she was always reminded others lost more. It was just really sad to drive through and see how everything was boarded up. 
Wynn's children are managing her South Minneapolis location so she can focus on a new opportunity at Mall of America. Her business, Herbal Alchemy, was among those selected to spend six months rent-free at a community commons inside the mall. After that, she used some grant money and savings to move into her own location on the second floor of the mall in April. She says she knows she's among the lucky business owners, despite a rocky year, and she has no plans to leave her original location. Well, I hope that it gets rebuilt better, um, you know, with chaos and coming out of that, there's always opportunities to be better. Minneapolis business advocates say rebuilding, especially for properties that were leveled by fire, will take five to ten years. And city officials and fundraising groups have calculated the total cost at around $500 million to be shared by 1,500 businesses. But fundraisers have only secured a fraction of what they say they need. Allison Sharkey says it'll likely take a state or federal disaster relief package to make a full recovery. She represents businesses as executive director of the Lake Street Council. So far, disaster relief has gotten caught up in political issues around police reform and, you know, around city versus rural conflict. Sharkey says grassroots efforts have raised more than $50 million toward recovery so far for all the impacted areas. She says the goal, while rebuilding is to hold on to local businesses and affordable commercial spaces while giving preference to business owners within Minneapolis communities of color. Olivia Rodriguez owns El Rey Car Audio on East Lake Street with her husband. She's been renting her space, but she says since June, she used more than $60,000 in grant money to replace what was lost and then purchase a building a few blocks away. But she hasn't forgotten the looting. One of her employees, Jesus Correa, interpreted as Rodriguez described with tears in her eyes what happened. During that time, they destroyed the store, so the whole business got ruined. She says she lost 95% of her inventory. But customers continue to support the small family business, and she's grateful for that as she prepares to move into the building she purchased in a few months. We recognize that thanks to them, we are here standing alive. And she wants to thank uh, for still standing here with, with her. Sharkey pointed out many business owners also have to factor in the pandemic and rising construction costs when deciding what to do next. It's not clear how many of the 1,500 Minneapolis businesses have reopened. Sharkey says while progress inches along, rebuilding these critical business corridors will take effort from business owners and customers. People can support our businesses. That's really the the most important thing right now. Sharkey hopes state lawmakers will consider more relief from civil unrest in their upcoming special session. A funding effort by Minnesota State House Democrats failed earlier in the session. Nina Moyni, NPR News. The killing of George Floyd was a galvanizing moment, and companies also took action. Business leaders spoke out, they donated millions to civil rights organizations, and they promised to address problems with diversity and representation inside their own companies. But one year later, have executives done what they said they would do? NPR's David Gura reports. There were many CEOs who didn't know how to respond. 
That much was clear to Darren Walker, who's the president of the Ford Foundation, a philanthropy that focuses on social justice and inequality. They had no African-Americans on their board. They had no African-American in the C-suite. And Walker remembers fielding more than a dozen phone calls from executives who he says were disturbed and deeply concerned. There was not both lived experience and expert knowledge to advise, provide counsel and wisdom to the CEOs and the boards. One year later, representation continues to be an issue. Just days before the anniversary of George Floyd's death, the investment bank Morgan Stanley promoted four men to senior leadership roles. It's widely understood they'll vie to succeed James Gorman, the current CEO. He's white, and so are they. At a Senate hearing today, Gorman pointed to other recent promotions, and he said he's committed to diversity. But this organization has been built over many decades and it takes a long time for talent to rise to the top. The Ford Foundation's Darren Walker says companies have to do a better job of finding talent and holding on to it. We are past the kind of token uh, efforts of corporate America. This has to be about transformation and transformation requires more transparency. Of the 500 largest publicly traded companies, almost a third of them don't have one black person on their boards. That's according to Equilar, a clearinghouse for corporate leadership data. And while that's a smaller percentage than what it was in May of 2020, you can still count the number of black chief executives in the Fortune 500 on one hand. A year ago, business leaders spoke out. Then they cut checks to nonprofits and civil rights groups. One of them is Campaign Zero, an organization focused on police reform founded by DeRay McKesson. I think that for most of these corporations, money's easy, right? Like the money is the, is literally the least risky and easiest thing you can do. What's more difficult is delivering on the promise of more diversity in leadership and among the rank and file. I think to be very honest, we try to not be too reactionary. Ralph Bassett is a portfolio manager at Aberdeen Standard Investments. It's joined a coalition of financial services companies that have committed to publishing more data and to spending more money on career development for minorities. We didn't want to come across as insincere or within that context too reactionary such that we couldn't provide the necessary framework for driving what we view to be sustainable change. That kind of cautiousness is common on Wall Street, where cultural change tends to happen slowly. But other companies have approached this issue with the same kind of deliberativeness. Starbucks hired former Attorney General Eric Holder to conduct what it calls a civil rights assessment of the company's policies. And Facebook, which has no person of color among its seven most senior executives, wants 30% more black people in leadership positions in five years. We want to witness incremental progress, but realize it's going to take a number of years to get to where we want. In corporate America, the urgency of the moment, the demand for change, is sometimes at odds with what's perceived to be possible. Ebony Thomas works on improving the pipeline for talent at Bank of America. She's an executive whose portfolio is racial equality and economic opportunity. Well, Thomas graduated from North Carolina A&T University, and she's encouraging her company to recruit more from historically black colleges and universities like the one she attended. I mean, progress is progress and it's slow, but it, we still have to recognize progress. Today, Bank of America's CEO also testified before Congress, and Brian Moynihan highlighted company data on diversity. It succeeded in hiring more black employees overall. That number is now in line with the U.S. population. But only one in 20 senior-level managers is black. And that number hasn't budged. David Gura, NPR News, New York. 
For years, most women in the U.S. Army were required to wear their hair short or pinned back into a very tight bun. That time has now passed. Earlier this year, the army began allowing women who spend most of their day away from the field freedom from the bun. And this month, the army updated that change to allow female soldiers a little more freedom. I actually started to practice braiding my hair because I was so excited that we were going to be able to braid our hair and wear ponytails. That's Sergeant Nicole Pierce, who works at Fort Sill in Oklahoma. She's been able to wear braids and ponytails since January, and now she's able to wear them untucked, so long as they don't go past her shoulder blades, thanks to the update to the updated grooming policy. Major Terry Taylor, stationed at Fort Stewart in Georgia, has enjoyed not having to chemically relax her hair because locks, braids, twists, and cornrows can come together in one or two braids or a ponytail and still meet regulation. With locks, there is a style called barrel rolls in which our hair can be rolled back. Taylor usually pins up the ends, but now she can leave them free if she wants. Very professional in appearance, very neat, and it's very user-friendly because that style can last at least two weeks. So that allows me to not have to manipulate my hair as much. No loose ends for Major Farron Amay Campbell in Silver Spring, Maryland. Yeah, so in the Army, I'm pretty much known as the bald major. Within my unit, I'm the only bald female. She suffered hair damage and loss after years wearing her hair in a tight bun. And she's not alone. Many black women soldiers reported having that experience. Major Campbell says she's happy the U.S. Army allows her to be... Bald by choice. I do shave my head. And it's been a very freeing change within the regulation. It's not just comfort here. Thick hair buns make it difficult for women to wear their helmets properly, making it low on the eyes, sometimes obscuring vision, a problem when you have to aim your weapon. We've all mentioned some of these things were long overdue. That's Sergeant Major Jennifer Francis of the U.S. Army Institute for Surgical Research at Fort Sam in Houston, Texas. She was on the panel that gave input to leadership about updating the grooming guidelines. We are an army and we can't necessarily do everything civilians are doing. So we've got to figure out what's best for the army and its people. Women now make up about 15 percent of the U.S. Army and about a third of those are black. Many see rules against certain hairstyles as outdated at best, discriminatory at worst. Major Terry Taylor, now set to retire after two decades of service, says how a soldier wears her hair when she's on base does not change her lethality or her professionalism. Who's to say that a ponytail is not professional in appearance? Who's to say that locks are not professional in appearance? As long as you can properly wear your headgear and look professional in your uniform, I think that's what matters at the end of the day. The Army now joins the Navy, the Air Force, and Space Force, yes, Space Force, when it comes to allowing loose ponytails. A rail transit facility that serves Silicon Valley in Northern California is now the scene of the nation's newest mass shooting investigation. Authorities say an employee killed eight co-workers today and then killed himself. Around 6.30 a.m., shots erupted at a rail yard north of downtown San Jose and sent sheriff's deputies and police scrambling. The attack is the latest in a series of mass shootings this year. San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo called it a tragic day. Now is a moment for us to collect ourselves, to understand what happened, to mourn, and to help those who have suffered to heal. 
Police said victims were employees of the Valley Transportation Authority, a public transit system in Santa Clara County. Authorities said the gunman took his own life. He was identified as Sam Cassidy, who also worked at VTA. Police said this morning they were searching the complex for possible explosives. Right now, public safety is assured at this point. Uh, we do have investigators on scene, um, pretty much doing our investigation to see exactly what happened and transpired. Federal law enforcement is assisting with the investigation. Authorities also responded to a fire at Cassidy's house. VTA light rail service was suspended at noon today and replaced with bus service. It's just very difficult for everyone to be able to try and wrap their heads around and understand what has happened. California Governor Gavin Newsom visited the scene later in the day. To the victims, to those who lost their lives and the families lost their loved ones, yes, our hearts go out, but we are resolved to not make this meaningless, but to bring meaning at this tragic moment in our state and our nation's history. Authorities have also set up a reunification center for the affected families. Late today, President Biden urged Congress to take action on gun violence. He said, quote, every life that is taken by a bullet pierces the soul of our nation. Congressman Ro Khanna represents part of San Jose, and he joins me now. Representative Khanna, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And of course, our hearts go out to everyone who's lost a family member, uh, loved one uh, today. What more can you tell us about what happened? Thank you, Judy. There's just deep hurt uh, in the community. I mean, eight lives senselessly lost, uh, a sense of deep tragedy at the VTA. These are people who go every day to keep the public transportation running. I mean, when people talk about my district, they talk about Apple and Google. They forget that there are a lot of workers who make the infrastructure and transportation uh, work. And they had a horrific violence. And there's anger and there's unanswered questions. And among the unanswered questions, of course, is motive. Uh, we know the shooter uh, was an employee, so he presumably knew at least some of the people who are now dead or injured. Uh, do we know any more about that, about the, the, the shooter's house being on fire today? Judy, we don't know his motive, but there are reports coming out that he uh, had reportedly incidents of domestic violence, that uh, his uh, former girlfriends uh, were concerned that he could pose a threat to others. And I guess the question people are asking is, how does someone like that get access to a gun that literally in a few seconds can kill uh, numerous people, change a community's life, change a family's life. Uh, it is appalling. And, you know, I've been in Congress for five years and we still have not passed meaningful gun legislation. And people really are frustrated. They want to see uh, action. And, and in that vein, Congressman, we look today and the Associated Press is reporting this is the 15th mass killing just this year in in 2021. Eighty six people have died in these in in these mass uh, events, all of them shootings. And this compares to one hundred and six people who died in all of 2020. Um, it, it, as you say, it just keeps happening. What are what are the American people uh, to, to take away from this? Judy, I'm hopeful that the president can break through. He is someone who has deep empathy. 
Uh, he speaks to the broad range of Americans. He served, as you know, in the Senate for over 30 years. We've passed in the House some very common sense legislation. It simply says, have a background check. If you're a law-abiding uh, citizen, you can use your guns. But don't put a gun in the hands of someone who has uh, allegedly committed domestic violence. Don't put a gun in the hands of someone who's going to go and kill people at a workplace. I don't understand why this is so complicated. Uh, Eighty percent of the American people support it. I think what's changed is we have now a president uh, who is capable of getting the Senate to move. And I, I really hope uh, that will happen. And, and what do you know, Congressman, about the gun laws in uh, California that might have made a difference uh, in this incident? Well, Judy, we have some of the strictest gun laws, but I think one of the unanswered questions is why were the red flag laws uh, not invoked in this case? Uh, and we need to get more details. Were the domestic violence charges, did they rise to the level that red flag laws should have been invoked? Uh, why was there not more intervention? Uh, why was there not more intervention in terms of uh, mental health counseling uh, and, and intervention in this person's life who clearly uh, had issues? I mean, someone doesn't just get up one day and snap and decide to kill uh, dozens of people or try to kill dozens of people. This is something that has been building up and there was not intervention and we have to understand why. And we, I heard uh, Governor Gavin Newsom, who was there speaking at uh, the news conference just an hour or so ago, say, we don't want this event to be just another shooting, and they just keep happening and keep happening. We want it to mean something. But how does that happen? Uh, because it, it, these, these events just keep repeating themselves. Well, I think we have to look at the specifics in this case and then see what California can do. So are there areas that we need to strengthen red flag laws so that there could have been intervention to take this person's uh, weapon away when there were warning signs. Uh, the second thing is, were, is there enough in terms of mental health counseling and uh, what uh, resources were available uh, to the VTA? And finally, we need to honor, I think, the uh, families at the VTA and VTA workers in Silicon Valley. Too often they're invisible. Uh, their contribution isn't recognized. Uh, today they're really grieving. And it was supposed to be a day of celebration. They uh, finally had rides uh, returning to normal after the pandemic. And now it's one of the worst days in their life. And, you know, it's this is not politics. I mean, I've reached out to people there. They're they're shocked. They're devastated. They're never going to forget this. And it's just sad that this is happening at workplaces uh, in this country. Terrible uh, and sad. And as you say, it was supposed to be a very different kind of a day. Congressman Rokana, thank you very much. And again, our condolences uh, to the entire community. Thank you, Judy. Context of white supremacy. Missed the red flags in California. Hmm. So-called shooter, reportedly white man, Samuel Cassidy. Hmm. Weekly broadcast, neutralizing workplace racism. Gusty Renegade, the cows, context of white supremacy. Today's date Friday, November 28th. 2021 so I have been told I guess this is Memorial Day weekend I reckon 
no holidays in the system of white supremacy. But uh, I guess for some folks, this might be what they call a long weekend. Use the time constructively if you get an extra day away from work. Maybe you don't have to go in on Monday. Uh, I think Gus T has been saying for some time with all the stress, the pandemic and chaos of the last 15, 16 months, uh, and then people coming back to the work environment, they've been having reports, people that have not been coming to work, uh, for the past, you know, whatever it is, year, months or whatever it is. And now if they're having to come back to the workplace, you have a lot of people with anxiety around that. Lots of new gun owners as well. I've been saying like, Hey, be very alert about your workplace uh, situation, what's going on. If you have people there who are seeming hostile, seem like it's some obvious changes in their behavior. They're talking about violence or firearms, any, any things like that, that Gavin DeBecker in the gift of fear identified as, Hey, red flag. This is not professional workplace behavior. And this is the sort of conduct that signals someone who might have the potential for some sort of future violent act. That was a big point of his book that these type of things, violent acts don't just pop out of nowhere that often the signs, the evidence was right there and it just wasn't uh, accepted. It was ignored, especially when the individual is classified as white, in my opinion. But wow, the workplace racism reports abounded uh, this week. It was uh, we had the shooting incident that right there uh, because they had reports that Mr. Uh, Cassidy, he had uh, told people, I think his ex-partner gave some sort of interview where she said, oh, yeah, he, he had said that he hated work and, you know, hated the people that were there. And I thought he was violent, and abusive and blah, 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 and all the rest of it. Uh, that he had done all that. He said it looked like he had maybe been plotting this during the shutdown. If he had, if he had some time away from work, the transportation authority there in California, if he had time away from work, that he might have been plotting this. Uh, that he was going to come in and do this shooting. And by the way, at least the report that I saw that showed pictures of the victims, and it was nine victims, that report that you heard, that was from Thursday. They've updated it now as nine fatalities. Uh, from the shooting, not including the uh, white shooter. Half of the shooting victims appeared to me as though they would be classified as not white. Now, I could be wrong, you know, lighting, different images, Rachel Dozel, lots of things. But it, to me, at least half of the people in the photograph, uh, half of the victims of the nine people who were killed, four of them looked to me as though they would be classified as not white. I could be in error. I do make mistakes with the racial classifications at times, but they said he targeted coworkers like he had a vendetta against some of these people like, wow. He had worked and he'd worked there for nine years. One like this guy had just been there for a couple days uh, or something like that. So t- I, I posted it. Because uh, they had lots of information. They said, in fact, enforcement officials had a record on this guy. They had went and talked to him about his conduct before. And still, with this, he slipped through the cracks. You know, it just happened. What can you do? Sad, sad. Mm, mm. Absolute disgrace. And they don't allow the niggers to slip through the cracks. Oh, no. We don't allow Khalif Browder to slip through the crack even with a backpack. Oh, no. Lots on workplace racism. In fact, there was so much on workplace racism. I didn't need the, or I won't say it that way. 
the San Jose shooting act of white terrorism, even if that hadn't happened, there would have still been uh, an abundance, a cornucopia of reports about workplace racism. They even put the whole vaccine and what have you on the back burner. And I mean, that was historic, literally two weeks ago when the CDC made the announcement, you know, you can ditch the mask and all that. If you have been vaccinated like that shook up workplaces across the country, even knock that. I didn't even play uh, Hannah Nicole Jones or Nicole Hannah Jones, excuse me, Nicole Hannah Jones, uh, non-white female with a white parent cowbell. Uh, her being denied tenure at North Carolina, UNC Chapel Hill. I think now she's getting reconsideration and all the hubbub about that. They did a 20 minute report just on hiring practices, tenure employment practices in higher education, just because of what's happening with Nicole Hannah Jones cowbell. And I didn't even include that today. They had lots of segments talking about that. Segments that we did here today, we opened, they had the report about the brewery in New England, Massachusetts, all these reports of sexual harassment and all the rest of it. Number one, pause for Omar Thornton. Get to talking about discrimination in a New England brewery. Pause for Omar Thornton. Anyway, so they get into the segment featuring what sounded like they didn't have video, no images, but sounded as though it could have been a lot of individuals classified as white women weeping about all the sexual harassment and I don't know if this is acceptable in the Me Too but mm, mm, it looks so sexy on that forklift and, mm, mm, and all, oh I just weeped and wanted to crawl out of my body yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't do all that uh, empathizing uh, with them in a workplace setting uh, when it comes to the workplace I said consistently no uh, compliments we're not going to work complimenting anyone white people non-white people on the outfit or you look cute or you look nice like that's not what we're here for even if you work with exclusively non-white people even exclusively black people and that is not professional that is not how to conduct yourself in a workplace for males or females because even in that report they said it was females and males who were speaking up talking about sexual harassment in the workplace better make sure you have a code on that and are prepared male or female but again with all of that I would document write down what is said uh, that's a great one in fact somebody says something like that to you uh, hey you know, I don't know if this is acceptable or not but we sure do look fine on that forklift pause that's a great one I can give two quick options because you can do some of the same things that we talk about with racism you don't have to say a word you don't even have to give them the hmm I mean nothing we got the crickets in the background this time and everything even though that was the birds but that's what I would give them like you could just give them a straight look in the eye let your nonverbal say it all you can add to that can you repeat that sir I think saying sir there is so important can you repeat that sir and whip out your iPhone and tap record when you say can you repeat that sir they said males are victims too can you repeat that ma'am 
Excellent. You can, uh, or you could just give them the direct. Do not ever talk to me in that manner again. You can give them that too, but in my opinion, not saying a word. Excellent. And or repeat that, please, sir, ma'am. And whip out, as I said, your pen or pad, iPhone, whatever it is, and record. All of those great options. Uh, let's see. They continued. They said they accused uh, Night Shift uh, Brewing name just stuck out to me the next report they talked about the different uh, corporations and how they've responded with uh, the so-called George Floyd protests and what have you over the past year I think they talked about in Minneapolis Minnesota specifically the businesses that were looted they kept using that word looted looted and ransacked and what have you and how they've struggled and then some other people have kind of got new spots and tried to open up businesses in the midst of all this I thought it was highly significant. They mentioned in the report that the businesses securing funds for so-called minority businesses, non-white business owners, black business owners, that they got about $50,000 and which I mean, is not, you know, nickels, but at the same time, I was like, wow, I have seen so many white killers get way more than $50,000. I mean, I'm not talking about like a group, the Proud Boys collectively, I mean like one white killer, like Michael Brown Jr.'s killer alone got like 10 times that amount of money in like a couple days. And I've seen that over and over again. A one individual white person for killing a black person can get hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, for their defense fund and all the rest of it. This is a collective of black and non-white business owners in a town and they collectively have got $50,000 like that is dedication to racism white supremacy in my opinion Uh, let's see next so they were talking about the man that's why I said the whole COVID-19 that got kind of you know pushed to the back burner with regards to the workplace Uh, this week they were talking about so many folks in the US at least so-called adults have been vaccinated that workplaces are now mandating they talked about Delta Airlines and other uh, major corporations uh, even saying for new hires it will be mandatory now that is something to consider like wow if you're filling out a job application have you been vaccinated like wow I don't know if we have folks who filled out, you know, employment applications over the past few weeks or so, a month or so. But is any information about COVID-19 on the application about the vaccine? Like, is that part of the employment process? Like you have to show proof of your vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test. Is that part of the employment procedure now? Like, wow, that is uh, quite a bit. And uh, he said it seemed like the general momentum is going towards all right, we got to stop messing around. We're getting back to business, mandating vaccines. It's going to be mandatory. Uh, we did the whole strongly encouraged and carrot. Now we're doing the stick, like mandate or else. Like, wow, are people seeing any evidence of that in your workplace? Let us know. That'd be good to keep an eye on. Uh, let's see. The segment in the same vein, they were talking about, you know, so-called changes in corporate America over the past year. The second segment, they were talking about, um, 
the lack of black people specifically, I was so glad that they didn't just use the all minority and people of color and all that other nonsense terms. Uh, the lack of black people in so-called corporate America, Fortune 500 companies, uh, when they mentioned Morgan Stanley and they said that uh, it was all males who were promoted, that's one where they'll normally go the whole patriarchy and that's the problem. And they said, oh, they were all white males. Well, let's be specific white and it's not even that it's white male patriarchy but at least be very specific every time so they don't do that standard nonsense of lumping all of the non-white males in with white men as though yes we are all exercising some sort of patriarchy over the females and putting these draconian rules in place so that they have to have their hair in a bun in the military or they're not getting promotions in fortune 500 companies that is all white people white males and white females are to blame for all of that regardless of who you see in those fortune 500 chairs or not those white men got white moms and white uh, wives and white daughters who exert an enormous amount of influence and power in their lives anywho uh, let's see I pre oh the metaphor I got a pause compensatory call in right now is the only segment where we request no metaphors but the metaphor that they used in that segment where they discussed uh, Morgan Stanley and the different companies uh, and the problem of why you don't see black people specifically in position higher positions executive positions they had Facebook with their old phony pledge that they're going to have 30% black people in their senior executive positions in five years we'll see uh, but they said uh, <clears throat> it, it's been years, you know, to get these positions this way. And, you know, the talent, it takes years for the talent to rise to the top. And I said, hmm, years for the talent to rise to the top. That sounds familiar. What do they normally say rises to the top in a system of white supremacy? They say, they say, the cream rises to the top creme de la creme put my French on them cream of the crop isn't that what they say that's in the word guide not talent rises to the top but the cream of the crop creme uh, creme de la creme that is in the word guide uh, those types of metaphors suggesting the talent the skilled people the white people always find their way on top in a system of white supremacy so who's on the bottom Back of the bus. Bottom of the boat. Watch those metaphors. Watch those metaphors. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Incidentally, they brag about Atlanta being the black meta Mecca, Atlanta, Georgia. And one of the selling points for how cool of a city Atlanta is, is that they have so many Fortune 500 companies. That right there should tell you a lot about the system of white supremacy racism in a city with so many fortune 500 companies and the CDC previously mentioned headquarters there are black people like still not on like the major boards executive senior positions and what have you uh, is that the case even with like Home Depot I think their headquarters is in Atlanta uh, Coca-Cola I believe their headquarters is in Atlanta like is that the case even at CNN is that the case uh, that even their senior boards are like that even at Atlanta because they certainly can't say well we just can't find any niggers have you been out to uh, what is it Buckhead any of these areas out here Westlake 
check out any of these areas, find out where Bankhead, find out where some of these, Decatur. I think they have a Negro or two that you could find, train up, and they could have one of these positions. No. Don Lemon doesn't have any friends. No. Okay, let's see. Uh, Before I push off to the emails, just the shooting incident in San Jose. I've been saying it for a while. I would say it again. The FedEx incident just happened like a month ago in Indianapolis. Uh, I think he was a former worker, a white man. Same thing. Went and shot up the place. Uh, I would get some of these reports, uh, especially if you've had even like an iota of a sensation that, ooh, Paul seemed a little off the other day. I don't know. Like... Oh, he was upset and complaining about something. And I, or we've had people who've said that they have folks who like openly, proudly discuss like firearms and bring in their, you know, uh, hunting and field, field and stream magazines and point out different, you know, rifles and things of that nature in the workplace. None of that is acceptable workplace behavior. And especially now in this context, like, oh, yeah anything like that you've had a run-in somebody threatens you or threatens somebody else in the workplace i would print out you know one or two reports matter of fact they had a report at the wall street journal rupert murdoch i'd print out that report they said that there's been an increase in these sort of violent workplace events and they were going through the you know why's and what for of it all i would print out one or two or three of those reports and just say wow I've seen a few of these I don't know if they caught your attention the San Jose tragedy that's been horrible uh, just everybody's under so much pressure the Rona and everything over the past year just it might be a good time for some sort of refresher uh, or some just general tips things that we should be mindful of aware just so that we can promote workplace safety again who is in opposition to workplace safety that's the exact way that I would pitch it, uh, especially if I have any concerns at all about any. I don't care if it's a white person, non-white person, anybody and their conduct in the workplace. And I think, oh, yeah, this seems like this could be a Mr. Cassidy rat. Well, you don't even have to rat. You don't have to mention anybody name by name unless you you know, really feel like, yeah, this is really serious. And I think this person is an acute problem. Well, then, yeah, you can go ahead and mention and do all that you need to do. But I mean, yeah, if you have any concerns, even meager suspicion, yes, go and report it. And if you need to report to multiple people, do so. Uh, and like I said, I print out a few of these reports, take them with you to, you know, kind of evidence your case. Don't want to have this be the sort of thing where, yeah, I saw, you know, this person was coming in and they made comments and I just kind of minimized it and thought they would blow it off and get over it. They feel better once the summer came around. And mm. let's see, we'll get an email missed, uh, I think, two emails over past few weeks or so 2000 it's been rough man we had shootings and vaccine controversy and all the rest incidentally uh one of our listeners investors got the vaccine both doses fully vaccinated now as they say she said i i would not do this again meaning be vaccinated i would not do it she said she got lots of pain and discomfort uh side effects as they say from the uh second shot Uh, And she said uh, her information, uh, it seems that if you get 
the actual coronavirus, uh, that you get some sort of immunity. She said if she had to do over again, she would have just, hey, maybe I get the virus and we'll get the immunity that way. I don't think the symptoms maybe wouldn't have been been as bad if she had just got the coronavirus and lived through it as most people do. But she was not a happy, inoculated camper very dissatisfied and had uh, serious side effects enough that she had to kind of be down resting kind of in bed for a day or so. So at least one cow's listener vaccinated and very unhappy with the process. That's it. Uh, Person wrote in. All right, this is an update. Uh, The work from home job requires me to support a trainer by releasing various polls and watching the chat room during training. I am assigned to to two trainers while other support are rotated among trainers. Both trainers practice terrorism. Both trainers lack decorum when the black trainers are rehearsing by constantly interrupting. One black trainer presented this week and no one interrupted her. I heard another caller mention how working from home is just as demanding as leaving the house. True, I logged off at 5 p.m. and had to log back in at 9 p.m. It is demanding. I've heard that from other people, too. I'm losing my hair. We heard that in the audio clip. Currently, I'm taking two hair supplements, gummies and the other Viviscal, I think that's how you say it. Viviscal, V-I-V-I-S-C-A-L, Viviscal, I think that's it. I just started these supplements this month. I wear a wig for video conferences. We had the report that was talking about that, that this, what is it now, 15, 15, 16 months of stress that everybody has been under, that there's been widespread reports. I played several of them on the compensatory call-in of people reporting hair loss, males and females, uh, reporting hair loss, uh, patches, and sometimes just with the stress and confusion of all this, trying to figure out everything, that that has been very widespread. uh, And they talked about some of the remedies for that, and even having some comfort in knowing that this is a lot of people, unfortunately, have experienced this uh, over the past year, Uh, and even hearing some of the same recommendations in terms of self-care, nourishing, getting good rest, those type of things to even help with that too. But that has been widespread. We talked about that on the cows report continues. I also invested in the posture doctor. I can feel the difference when wearing it. Confession. Uh, I am not consistent on either the hair supplements or the posture doctor. I will say that good posture is really good too. talking about self care. Yoga is very, very helpful with that because a lot of it is about being mindful with your body and proper alignment uh, and being focused just on, you know, having really good posture and sitting up straight or standing up really straight and tall and not slouching with your shoulders. So posture, very, very important too, and uh, can be compromised and we're under a lot of stress. Update. I did receive a copy of the letter that the lawyer sent to, to the Department of Employment and Workforce the day after I emailed you. The amount received was over three times what I expected. Ching! Right on. God is good. Now, I know the importance of having access to the legal system. Absolutely can be helpful. Uh, let's see. Mm-mm-mm. Did I miss anything else? 
All right, got one update down. More emails, we'll weave those in as we go. The email again, untiljustice at gmail.com, untiljustice at gmail.com. I just want to get in really quick. She said about the lack of courtesy for the uh, black trainers. We, I think, have regularly talked about how black people don't get adequate training in workplace settings and how that can contribute to a lot of problems and you not being really competent uh, and being able to advance in your job because you've not been trained adequately for success or for anything really Uh, this is the other side of that sometimes when you end up having black people who are in I mean, I guess like a managerial supervisor position or they're supposed to be in some sort of authority. They're the one that's supposed to be uh, conducting the training and then they get totally ignored and people are talking over you and ignoring you and, you know, all the rest of it. That is so common, common, like around the world common. Uh, where we've had uh, black people, Kizzy's cousin and folks call in from all over the world and Europe and say the exact same thing where they come in. They're supposed to be doing the project. They're in charge. Everybody knows it's not like it's a hidden thing. I'm in charge. Yes, I'm a nigga, but I'm in charge. So I'm coming in. I'm supposed to be up front and the white fellow will come in and plop, sit down and, and be in the in the front seat at the lectern. Like, are you? Oh, no, I just, you know, didn't seem right to have some nigger sitting up front. Like, what? <laughs> this sort of not so this is all the time uh, again if you understand the system of racism white supremacy not a surprise and I would even in that sort of situation just let people know like we're conducting you know our seminar what have you if folks could hold their commentary until later on that'd be great that way we don't have the same thing I do it on program that way we don't have to compete with a lot of interruptions and what have you we'll give ample opportunity for feedback you can just kind of let people know and even if it persists like the, the interruptions are kind of disrupting our ability especially if this is like recorded on Zoom like oh yeah <laughs> like the the interruptions are a little unprofessional and really inhibiting our ability to you know share information this is a training or whatever it is that we're doing yeah this is a training uh, it's disrupting our ability to share this information that you're going to need to do your job so let's pay attention and again we'll leave time for questions but that's the sort of thing too keeping your calm I think is so important because I think those type of like tacky antics all of that I think is the type of thing that's designed they had a whole television show it's a UK television show I forgot the name of it, but it's all workplace racism where they do the same type of thing they have a black guy he's supposed to be in charge and they go and sabotage him like they break the laptop and mess up the pointer so he can't get all of his stuff done before and then it's like, oh he's so incompetent oh black people President Obama Al Sharpton they suck uh. and then he finds out like way down the road like Oh, I didn't suck. These white people were sabotaging me and then coming and laughing and playing and joking with them like everything is cool and whatever. So number one, keeping your cool, not getting upset, not flipping out and cursing and all of that, chimping out what they want us to do, not doing any of that. Stay calm and remembering, hey, this is the system of white supremacy, racism, white people. They what I just said, President Obama. They interrupted him. So, of course, like Harvard degree and all that. We don't care. He's a negra. And he had a white parent. We don't care. He's a negra. So if they interrupt him on nationwide TV, of course, we'll interrupt you on Zoom. Care about no negras, white parent or no. Email is untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. Miss Obezy, the good old days. President Obama in the White House. World was right. Woo. The email is until justice at gmail.com until justice 
at gmail.com. Got to blame him for everything. Uh, let's see. We have folks who have commentary to share the San Jose shooting. Like I said, that I say I wouldn't talk about anything in the workplace. Human resources or your employer, if you have any threats or concerns in the workplace, I would bring it up in that context. This would be a great time for a refresher, training, some sort of human resources commentary on workplace safety and what is acceptable behavior in the workplace. What are red flags that we should be looking for from potential problem dangerous employees? Uh, if we have any folks, uh, their own situation commentary they would like to share, star six one. We'll nab the first few folks who dialed in with a uh, hand up. Let's see. Can I be heard? Bay Area Mom. Yes, ma'am. Thanks. Thanks for taking the call. Greetings to you. Greetings to you and the guests. Um, oh, okay. So San Jose. I didn't know about the shooting in San Jose because I don't watch a lot. I don't watch TV. And then the way my news intake is set up, I, I missed it. Um, dear, I, I didn't know it was news to me. I'll have to inquire um, later. But um, I, I just noticed how soft worded they are with um, this case. Um, I, I'm in California. There's so many shootings um, in California, um, particularly, well, I don't know, San Jose has their own issues um, over there, but um, the Bay Area, we, they shoot here just for sport. So um, whatever happened at the work, at the office, and if you had all these warning signs and you just brushed them off because of um, the person in question, I believe maybe it just it just it's just it's interesting and now and then it just makes me think too with the gun laws because it's so adamant about gun control by any means necessary. So sometimes I wonder about what these shootings and if they're allowing people to just go over the edge or are you asking people to do it or you paying what's really going on because I do know that you're really working on this gun control um these gun control laws so um hmm, I'll think about that more um workplace racism for me so this is my first week back um it was the children were excited to see me um I, I heard they'd been looking out the window for me for a long time. And um, I, 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 that's too bad. So um, my supervisor uh, took her a while to add on the case. It, no big deal. Um, so when I get there, uh, of course, cancels all the overlaps. My uh, support supervisor came the first day. We did uh, overlap over. Um, with, uh, that's the black lady with, um, my AM case and, um, we did good. I, I did well, of course. And, um, it was great because there was supervision there. Um, the second one I had to overlap today, but instead of person, like they stated again, 
she came via internet, which doesn't help me a lot. It helps me if I don't need help. <laughs> but if I need help, it doesn't help me because you're not there. So what I did get out of it is um, they were trying to remove the children from me. So my AM, uh, the, the my morning um, case, they had found this guy. This guy? And then he'll do three days, and then we have a girl to do two days. But the children, they're not going to have that. The little girl will probably cry for weeks. So that didn't work. And so they said, well, we're, we could add more hours that we were talking about, but not with me. If you add more hours, I can't take the hours. That's what they had told the AM lady. So then the mom said, well, I don't want the hours. So they asked the PM mom as well with the little boy something similar what hours would you like and yeah and she said the same hours and so they said well we were gonna give you extra hours but uh we have another person that can come she's like well not to my house no i don't i don't if, if she can't do the hours i don't want to so i don't know how that's going to work but what was so funny is the reason why they probably didn't want me to take on the extra hours because i just looked at my calendar Oh my God, there's a new case way in Concord, my favorite place to be. So I said, oh, said, oh yeah. They don't ask me this time. They're just going to give it to me. Just throw it, give it to me. Don't ask me anything, lady. You're going to tell us no. So I like, yeah, congratulations. We got your new case. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 3 to 6. Yay. So I said, no, I'm not going to be available. Those hours don't work for me. That's be Thursday. I shut my day down on Thursday. I get up at 3, 2 or 3. Yeah, not, that's not going to work. Well, it doesn't say that here. Ah, darn. Sorry. Put it there. As a matter of fact, shut the whole day down. Shut me down at 3. Matt, let's just do it like that. And then I don't have to get any more emails or any more kids. And if we got some extra hours in there, let's work it in that that window, that nine to three window. Okay? All right. So I'm on the list. I don't know what list it is, but I live every day like it's my last day of work. Keep my resume updated. Not worried about anything. Could care less. You can remove all those kids. Doesn't bother me because I'm still certified, so I can go somewhere else and deal with someone else's children. And thank you for taking my call. I'll meet my line. Oh. Bay Area mom. Wowzers. Um, keeping the resume updated. I love new plantation. Those type of, I mean, that's many, many plantations where uh, sometimes it'll be a promotion new hours, extended hours, different ship where you don't really get an option. They're just telling you that, oh yeah, we got a new assignment for you and this is the time. They, blah, blah, blah. This is what, it's like they don't even check in. Like, wait a minute, do you am I available at that time? Like, wait a minute, that's not even, you know, to verify that this is going to work for me. Um, incidentally, I think she had said before, like she had set boundaries like, hey, I, I can't, you know, just pick up any old hours and blah, blah, blah. And I'm already tired and you're not just going to have me working really late so that I have to get off at night when it's dark and all of that. And then she took time off to kind of get herself together, which is phenomenal black self-respect. I have seen where sometimes companies will engage in like 
retribution like oh we'll show this uppity nigger trying decline ours or you know not go along with our program hm, we'll fix your wagon so then you come back and it's oh yeah no no extra shifts for you you can't get me extra hours <laughs> so uh when you go in like to the client they're like oh we're gonna see if we can get you some hours but not for you they'll be for a different client and then she even shares that the uh the child's mom's like what it's not gonna be with bay area mom oh well no nah if it's not gonna be with her we're good we're good <laughs> uh which, which, at least to me, suggests you may have been doing some quality work, like you'd set a rapport with this family and all the rest of it should be paid well uh, and respected since so you can have a great schedule and, and continue to do great work. But it just doesn't sound like this organization is uh, professional in that regard from what you shared with us or values the workers talent that they have. Um, but I love it. Keep the resume um, updated. And uh, even that, like if, you know, going to Concord, I don't think I got to spend too much time in that area when I was in the Bay Area. But um, if that is an area that you, you know, like being in, I'm sure it'll pop up. There might even be other job opportunities that pop up where you can totally get out of this uh, organization completely uh, and do some work down there that, you know, will be much more beneficial and maybe more lucrative too. hopefully more lucrative. But um yeah, I think just being clear, because I think a lot of times we talked about it, John Henryism, uh, the system of white supremacy, a lot of times it can be difficult, frightening uh, to tell white people no for a variety of reasons. Even when it's like a major inconvenience to us, it's difficult to say no in that context. I think that's so important, just setting boundaries and knowing what's going to work for you, what's going to work for your body, what's going to work for your health and well-being, uh, just being able to set boundaries uh, and what have you. But yeah, hopefully uh, you'll be able to extricate yourself and use your nice spiffy sparkling resume to uh, find something way cooler so you don't have to be dealing with any of this foolishness at all much obliged to Bay Area Mom let's see we give out our number again 720-716-7300 the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate continue sneaking in a few emails uh, as we nab callers as well uh, next email uh, let's see not white female uh, black female attempted mom she writes in greetings Gus I had a conversation with my boss She is a therapy counselor with a Ph.D. Uh, She's a non-white Asian female. She's in a tragic relationship with a white male cowbell. She was telling me about the stress she has at home dealing with raising a two year old. She states that she solely provides care for their son. She asked her husband to alternate his work schedule to avoid having to hire a nanny. He refused. He also refused to take part taking care of their son. I wonder what the complexion of these children is, but that's neither here nor there. Continuing, my supervisor now has to pay for a nanny and is looking into getting another job just to pay for a nanny and her parking that works on the days her husband works remotely. Her husband is an MD, so he is financially capable of helping her. He also keeps all of his finances separate from her. I asked, does he have a prenup? 
Good question. I told her that this is an unjust situation. He should be contributing fully for this nanny when the nanny only works on the days he is at work. She, however, will probably take on another job just to pay for a nanny for her husband. This sounds super illogical. Just a glimpse inside a tragic arrangement. Should I have tried to help her, I know she is confused. Uh, my view, this reminds me so much of uh, Geronimo Pratt. We're finishing his book, Last Man Standing. I think next week we will wrap it up. Uh, we he was so much to learn, but one point he's talking about being in prison, solitary confinement often, and he has developed a code for how to minimize con uh, conflict. Literally, he spells this out. These are specific things to do and not do. One of the things on his list was I don't get very involved in the personal affairs of others. And I thought that was so crucial. I highlighted it. We talked about it. And I said, oh, that is a code for workplace racism <laughs> for the plantation in general, but definitely workplace racism. I said for years, we get on these jobs and white people, they will come and drain you all kinds of psychic energy draining. Oh, let me tell you about our dog. And he got fleas. And oh, let me tell you about Fluffy the kitten. And he got in the casserole this weekend. And oh, let me tell you about my son. He stole a dozen snicker bars from the grocery store. And oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And we're thinking about having a three way and just on and on and on and on and on. I didn't come to hear any of that. That's not on my work description to listen to you and go through the affair that you're thinking about having with your husband and whatever. Keep all that to yourself. If you need to get a, a analyst, a psychologist or whatever it is, do that on your time. I am not your Negro therapist. I'm not Oprah. Do not think that you're just going to sit here and really. Oh, my goodness. Is that the truth? No, you haven't gained <laughs> get out of here. I don't want to hear about your no count children, your marriage life, nothing. Let's just stick to what we're supposed to do on the job. Same would apply for victims of white supremacy. I'm not trying to hear about your no count deadbeat white husband and he doesn't want to take care of the children and oh he's so lame and he has a separate bank account. Like none of that is going to get me a raise. I don't think <laughs> a bigger office like Keep all of that to yourself. And it might just be me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't care if this is a black person. I don't want to hear about all that. Unless we are like, cool. We went to kindergarten together. I've known you for the longest. I'm, you know, got my feet up on your coffee table. You know, when we're not at work this Monday for Memorial Day, right? I'm going to be lounging, you know, outside eating veggie hot dogs and having my feet propped up off on your coffee table. And yes, we can talk. Let me hear all about your problems. And yes, oh, that's so terrible. Because I'm, we're down. That's not the case with most of the people that you work with. So, no. That just, Mike, I think, uh, Emmy was talking about just having, you know, boundaries. I'm just, I'm, I'm real cautious about getting too much into people's personal stuff. I don't want to be lax. And certainly I'm not going to be talking about that sort of thing. Cause a lot of times people will do that. Right. I told you all this, that and all our marital problems and finances and child rearing practices and all the rest of it. Then They'll get an attitude because they'll have an expectation, even if it's unstated, that you will do the same. So then when you don't turn around and reciprocate, 
oh my goodness what is going on here I've poured out my soul and blah 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 and you know you're just like a little closed shell you don't want to share anything about what's going on in your family and blah 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 Psh. so that's just me my personal code I don't want to hear or, or get involved because I'm not here to talk about all that that's not on the job description no I don't think that you should have uh, tried to help her in fact I wouldn't have even wanted to hear uh, all of this it would have just been like mm-hmm, tragic arrangement that's what I would expect mm-hmm. I'm not since I'm not going to be talking about this as a tragic arrangement with her or talking about Pam or saying anything about pieces of a puzzle or Anethea Tate's book or anything like that just yeah, tragic that's what I expect well I gotta go to the restroom drinking all this water make sure I get my bladder emptied I will check in with you later things will work out I'm sure he'll he'll come around parenting is tough we'll check in later and <laughs> just keep on booking so I'm just not going to sit around and listen to that in a workplace setting uh, if folks have different thoughts on that if you feel like maybe you you gotta listen to some of that to kind of earn that rapport in the workplace I can understand but it just wouldn't be something where this is going to be an everyday and I would not encourage that that's not what I'm paid for to listen to you whine about your home life troubles white person or non-white person 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate uh, let's see other folks thoughts observations questions they would like to share Let's see. While folks are getting their thoughts together, I will make sure I do not get behind this week. We will continue to get through all of our emails. Uh, let's see. All right. This one, not white female uh, in New York, contact tracer in New York, black female. Uh, she writes in considering considering many of the counties in New York have 10 or less a day of infections we barely have any people to interview so I have gone days without doing anything yet we are still having another evaluation done now that the other white female manager is gone an older white male manager supervises our team when my manager is off he doesn't make us do anything extra or make us do anything that <clears throat> that has nothing to do with our role. My manager can't influence him because he was here first, so he has more leverage than her. I bring this up because the other white manager was horrible and chose to be horrible. Dang. Not because it was part of the job, but because she actually is horrible. My last observation, I asked two black females on my team about the last evaluation as I believe it was not done with good intentions. Probably wasn't. One black female ran. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. It's not funny, but whew, I need to take a commercial. I'm sorry. I'm going to get my. I'm going to have to get my composure together. And this is so not even funny. I shouldn't have even laughed, but I had to get my giggle out. So I'm going to have to take a commercial so I can finish the uh, 
email appropriately and then come back and be serious. I'm so sorry. Didn't mean to go, but whew, I will get in a quick commercial break, get my composure back and finish the email appropriately because that's so sad. <laughs> what I'm about to read, that is so sad and just continues to emphasize same point we make all the time on workplace racism. Quick commercial. I will stop giggling and we will come right back. Context of white supremacy. And from the late 1960s, after the death of Martin Luther King and the riots and the upheavals and all like this, and black people with their fists in there and all like that, and trying to stumble and fumble and find their way and get focus, the white supremacists made a blueprint and put it in action. And that is, I'm going to have these people so confused, they don't even know what they started out to do. And by the late 1970s, they had just about completed it. And we've been on that ever since. And you mentioned something very important. They are more comfortable than ever. But see, it's like making gorillas comfortable in a cage or monkeys or pandas. You still got them in a cage, but they're comfortable. See, so give them some bling bling. It's like giving an animal a brand new car and training the animal to ride up and down the street in it. And then you stand back and point at the animal. Like one white man said in the late 1950s, he said he doesn't care what kind of car a Negro has. He said he's still a nigger. And when he rides by in a shiny car, to him, it's just a monkey in a car. White people built a car, put a monkey in it, trained the monkey to drive the car, so now you're looking at a monkey in a car. See, but black people don't see themselves that way. But this is how the white supremacists see us, and they are the ones who run our business. And we have to know that, that when they look at us, that's what they see. That that's what they see. That that's what they see. And at a subliminal level, what they see begins to spill over into our brains so that we, at a subliminal level, see each other that way. And indirectly see ourselves that way. See each other that way. Indirectly ourselves. Neely Fuller, Jr., ProduceJustice.com, victim of white supremacy. Now, got my composure together, got out all my guffaws while the audio was playing. Be serious. Very important for counter-racism. Now, let me start over with the correct context. And it's so important because of evaluations. We talk about that all the time, too. Non-white people getting uh, faulty evaluations in a workplace setting which can have huge ramifications because that's what they'll go to a lot of times when it's all right you got to make a decision about promotion or bonus or all kinds of things and oh your evaluations looks kind of lackluster they'll say or something to that effect all right so let's go Whew. my last observation i asked two black females on my team about the last evaluation as i believe it was not done with good intentions one black female ran back to tell my manager what I asked 
and the other black female just accepted the unjustness of it all. I asked this white woman on another team about the evaluations and she explained how they got together and disagreed as a group with the former white woman manager that used to watch our team. After observing everything, I noticed the extreme walking on eggshells or staying safe with my team versus the other teams, which are majority white. Wowzers. I think we had that. Remember that big kerfuffle, right? Of the past couple of weeks, one of the listeners wrote in and accused Gus T. Renegade of name calling said I said VCQ when I said spelled it out victims guaranteed qualified and this was in the context of me saying hey in a workplace for sure if you don't understand what United Independent means when you get in a workplace context you for sure had better overstand United Independent just because I don't care if they hire, you know, 50 but Facebook, maybe they will do it. They'll get 30% senior executives will be black people. And they, they might even believe be black people who have four black grandparents who were born in the U S and eight black great grandparents all born in the U S they might do that. And even if they do, it would still be, United Independent just because this person has a lot of melanin does not mean at all that we are going to have a similar perspective on racism white supremacy white people counter racism this job nothing so we have to be very mindful of that what I say all the time anything that you say Now, am I comfortable with this being repeated to everyone in the organization? If I'm not, I better not say this or write this. I'm so glad in the email we didn't hear from Contact Tracer in New York. We didn't hear her say that she went to ask these black females about the evaluation and say, I went and asked, man, I think these no good crackers are practicing racism. What do you all think about that? Don't go do that if you want to go ask because it might get repeated back exactly that way. Can you believe what this hussy said? He came over and asked us like, whoo, if you want to go ask anything like that, you might want to practice and even write out exactly what you ask so that nothing gets added in, no fillers, nothing of that nature. I just asked about the evaluation. That's it. Is it anything incorrect about asking about the evaluations? Back to the question lane. And and we've heard this is not the first, this is not the third time that this type of thing has been shared on the cows where someone classified as black even born in the US parents born in the US as well where they went back and ratted out told on uh, told white people what another non-white person said or did sometimes it was about racism white supremacy sometimes it was like this where it was just you know they came and asked about an evaluation or what have you try and put some spin on it or what have you very very it's a reason we use the word terrorism I use the word terrorism when you have people that have been like in every way imaginable 
violated and abused for centuries. Fear is a product of that. That's what's supposed to happen. That's the point of all these beatings and lynchings. Why you brag about Tulsa, Oklahoma? What they say, we ran them niggers out of Tulsa. That's why you brag about that for 100 years. Have these niggers in fear of white power. Okay. One of the results of that is you have black people who I'm going to do everything that I can to stay on these white people's good side. And frequently that means I have no problem. They'll use the word. I will rat out some other black people. I have no problem. I will go and snitch all day long and tell them anything and make up a few things if I need to. <laughs> That's the system of whites. But we also been reading about that. In Geronimo Pratt. That's the system that we live in. And that has been rampant in the workplace. United independent it's nothing wrong I'm not suggesting at all contact tracer in New York did anything incorrect not at all you ask information just trying to figure out did you all get the evaluation too oh okay right on nothing incorrect about that all but I'm just saying don't be surprised you don't have homies brothers sisters in the workplace and anything you email say text to another individual in the work environment I don't care if it's the CEO the custodian am I cool with this being transcribed and saved forever it's going to be in a hundred different languages it's going to be online you can get a copy put in your snail mail uh, mailbox by the end of the week even on holiday if I'm not comfortable with that keep my mouth closed press delete on that email do not send context of white supremacy email again is until justice at gmail.com the number is 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate uh, again our broadcast this one specifically not for spectators if we have folks who I guess are fortunate if you in this environment the work environment is tranquil as can be no issues with the vaccine no issues with uh, Samuel Cassidy or any other hostile employees raises are correct vacation days are correct Everything is working smoothly in your work environment heading into the summertime. Wow, that is amazing. I'm sure some folks would really appreciate hearing exactly how you accomplished that. So you could please make some notes. Maybe we can, you know, some of that uh, great fortune can rub off on the rest of us. If you are encountering some difficulties, even the, the changes in policy, like I said, that's kind of backseat for this week uh, the changes in workplace policy with regards to the vaccine and all that I think is super important that's something we should all be kind of paying attention to to see like I said is that going to be what the rule is by September like if you go to apply for a job you got to have either vaccine proof vaccine or uh, COVID-19 test or it's going to be mandated in order to get hired you have to be vaccine or uh, vaccinated or prove that you've already done that like wow that is something to be mindful of I think and, and like regionally because it looks like that's probably not going to be like a federally mandated thing so it's not going to be across the board it looks like that might be one of those if you're in Florida the policy might be this way if you're in Wisconsin it could be this way if you're in Nebraska it could be this way like yikes uh, 
we'll just have to be mindful about what that looks like. But uh, if you have figured out anything that works well in the midst of all this chaos so that you're not having too many problems, mistreatment uh, to mitigate, definitely let us know how you did that. If we have folks who are encountering difficulties of some sort, let us know. Uh, we'll try our best to follow logic and uh, help solve problems without generating new problems. But yeah, no spectating for neutralizing workplace racism. I would be amazed uh, to have, you know, even, I don't know, even if it was four of us, together, I would be kind of amazed that we had four black people, four non-white people, victims of white supremacy. And all of them were cool and the gang in their workplace setting. Let's see. Yeah, folks are still spectating. If folks are just going to sit and spectate, then we will happily uh, wrap things up earlier. As I said, it just seems a little uh, unbelievable, particularly, as I said, when I keep in mind every time, generally without fail, when Gus T speaks to cows, listeners, non-white people, really in general, whether they are affiliated with the cows or not. And this would be in person or on the phone, online, text, whatever the context. Generally, it gets to the workplace immediately like it will fast forward, regardless of what the context started off of the exchange was supposed to be about. It will get to things that are happening in the workplace like immediately as I said especially over the past year like my goodness with the vaccine situation alone uh, not to mention all the rest of it uh, I will take uh, a moment I guess if folks are either spectating getting their thoughts together or whatever uh, but with the situation uh, down in San Jose like man um, I don't I don't know if folks you know if you're in a work environment where you have like when I say a lot of people like more than 20 folks or what have you but woof like those type of environments it's generally you know once you have over 20 people everybody's not going to be in love you know even if you have four people everybody's not is not going to be you know homies and best friends and all that but i mean if it's quite a few folks you generally will have some people i don't like this people or i don't like these folks sometimes you have whole departments that don't like other people like wow i would be all about workplace safety this in fact would be a phenomenal opportunity in my opinion if you work in any sort of work environment they have any sort of uh, hazing they'll call it right uh, name calling picking on anything like that that is unprofessional any sort of promoting like mistreating people and this is supposed to be in the guise of this is uh, horseplay you know this is just a, having a little office uh, horsing around you know having a little fun in the office and that type of man I would bring all of that up right now like I have no idea what happened in San Jose what he was upset about why he hated his workplace why he was targeting employees but I definitely think one thing to try to help we should not be doing anything to antagonize workers while we are here we should be all about being professional. You can put that in the form of a question and pose. Do we think that's the best way to operate business to make sure that, hey, we're not antagonizing. We're not hazing anybody. We're not mistreating anybody. We're not making up any uh, goofy nicknames uh, for people. We're not doing any uh, tacky 
office hijinks because I've seen a whole lot. Of, I've experienced quite a bit of that over uh, a variety of different work places, work environments. I would bring all of this up. Like I said, I would get that printout from the Wall Street Journal. I'd get the exact name of the report. I would bring all of that in. You can, and this is one, we talk about human resources and them being ineffective. This is one human resources might be helpful because this is kind of what they're supposed to be about workplace safety and all that. That's good for the business, helpful for the company. Hmm. Maybe this Nick was on to something. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't be because a lot of times this, you know, the mistreating and hazing and all that stuff, it will fall under bullying. And a lot of workplaces, they'll have policy ostensibly that's supposed to be against that anyway. So if it just gets brought up in, hey, workplace safety, let's make sure that we're doing everything that we can to promote a safe, healthy work environment. One component of that, let's be professional. We're not, you know, doing any sort of anything that even looks like it's kind of leaning into us joking around with other people and doing so in kind of a tacky manner and that sort of thing. Eh, eh, eh. Let's cut out all of that. We don't want anybody in any way feeling like they've been picked on and feeling bad going home and now they got a grudge and they don't really like this person. Eh, eh. Nobody wants to feel like that they've been made the butt of a joke uh, and humiliated in front of their peers and a lot of this sort of behavior uh, happens in work environments I'm not saying at least I guess I don't know what you know the motivation was for the San Jose situation uh, but I know there are many unjust acts that get promoted in the workplace lots of unjust uh, and not just unjust activity but just flat out mistreatment that gets promoted in the workplace in the system of white supremacy so if this can be used to help counter that outstanding I would talk to your maybe direct supervisor maybe human resources as well see if they're receptive and particularly like I said if you know somebody because we've people have reported this you know there's someone in the workplace they have an attitude they are discourteous mean hostile at times uh, they talk about firearms that I've seen people this is something also I've experienced even in my work history where you have people who are coming they are in the workspace and talking about different firearms and bragging about having a concealed carry permit and all the rest of it like all of that Gavin DeBecker I keep going back to that OJ and all uh, he talked about that in the book none of that is acceptable for a workplace environment and you could just raise that as a, in the form of a question do we think this is perfect particularly given what's happened do we think this is the sort of behavior that promotes a safe work environment question mark and let them tell you is this the sort of thing that, you know, our shareholders and patrons, it's, oh yeah, that company, they are serious. They value their employees and promoting a courteous, conscientious work environment because they got employees who sit around and talk about firearms all day long. Really? Bring that up again. Nothing more important than workplace safety and that gets uh, shirked in many environments. Uh, in a variety of different ways, like shirked, uh, even in, in my view, workplace safety, uh, the name calling and all of that, because I've seen where that can get way out of hand and lead to, you know, things not being safe, but get shirked in a variety of different ways. Be about being serious. Don't be about the gossip. That's another one as well. Don't be about that gossip. Uh, in the workplace and sitting around talking about people. That's another one uh, where people can end up getting all these grudges and animosity built up because people have been sitting around and talking bad about them at the water cooler and spreading lies and rumors about what they had on and this, that, and the other. Like, 
do not part. That's why I said get a reputation. It's one thing I can say about that, Gus. He does not sit around. You never hear him sitting around and, oh, my gosh, did you see what she had on the other day? Oh, I heard she was out this weekend cheating on it. Never. Never. You even try to get that sort of nonsense started with him. And he about face. I'm out of here. Got to go. I don't even participate in all that. Like have that as a reputation, because I think, too, that sort of stuff, in addition to, you know, all the stress and all the rest of it, that sort of crude office conduct, I think, goes a long way to contributing to a lot of the toxicity in different work environments. Seven two zero. 716-7300 the code 564-943 pound press star 61 if you would like to participate say again to the folks if things are that spectacular where you have a problem free idyllic work environment no one ever does anything to mistreat you or disrupt your schedule or your workflow. You don't observe anybody else being mistreated either. They follow all the rules and regulations. The COVID-19 situation hasn't caused you any problems. If you need time off, it's there and all the rest of it. Again, please make a list. You can just jot down, you know, a few points, bullet points. How did you accomplish this? Let us know. We would love to see if we can emulate this. 720-716-7300. 720-716-7300. Again, I hope that you can ride until the wheels fall off. Maybe that'll last until, you know, 2099, <laughs> where you can live it up and have a grand old time until you are ready to retire. But please share a few details. How were you able to pull that off in a system of white supremacy? And if you're in that position, things should be cushy enough. You can invest. Racism-notes.blogspot.com racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com paypal button is in the top right corner uh, you can also invest cash dot app forward slash dollar sign the cows uh, much obliged to the folks who have contributed a dozen plus years hopefully worthy of your time and energy but certainly if things are that uh, spectacular uh, for you in your work environment you're not having any of these issues or problems well then absolutely invest in the cows and I would still take notes uh, it's been my experience that whew, system of white supremacy in those type of environments they tend not to last long and even if they're mis- not mistreating you directly there is some mistreatment happening in the building for sure or if it's online in the virtual world there is some mistreatment going down uh, believe that uh, let's see maybe we got some tips maybe we got some of the folks who have figured it out and they will have some uh, remedies suggestions for us to also have a really awesome mistreatment free work environment 0526 0526 uh, did you have suggestions uh, or observations for us not hearing 0526 0526 are you there not sure not sure if you have your if you're on the uh, 
Skype or Vope line. I don't know if you have your audio configured a certain way or if you're muted or you know what, what the issue is, but we are not hearing you. Uh, the caller at 0526 not hearing you, so uh, if you either want to maybe uh, reconfigure your microphone, hang up, try it again. You can test it out, see if uh, you're all connected, maybe a cord slipped out or something, uh, but we are not hearing you 0526. Anywho, uh, let's see, we'll nab some of the other folks and then we can check back with 0526 uh, we'll check back a little bit uh, let's see incidentally as I'm checking with other folks we should be here uh, tomorrow as well 9pm Eastern 6pm Pacific the compensatory call in so many things happened uh, this week like stunning um, could have stopped taking audio reports like Wednesday uh, and that rarely happens but it was kind of a full week for lots of reasons which is a little odd it's uh, a holiday weekend so called and normally things go the other way because lots of things are shutting down and long weekend at least here in the US that was not the case this time lots of things happening with regards to racism white supremacy so we will try to process what we can get some views uh, from different folks uh, in different parts of the world uh, and continue towards solving the problem Uh, we should be back also in the middle uh, of next week, white guest only, uh, white author uh, talking about the history of white terrorism and extremism. Uh, will kind of be a hoot to have him on the program. We can talk about the uh, decision this week to scrap the commission into the January 6th white terrorist insurrection. Uh, we'll put that in context with our white guests uh, for the program next week, but we'll go over all the information for that um, tomorrow. Comp- uh, compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern. 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, let's see. While I'm checking the line, I'll ask as well about the uh, vaccine. I know that was on the back burner. I guess if, if folks uh, in their work environment, uh, if that is causing chaos, problems, conflict uh, with regards to is it going to be mandated? Are there people there that are still scoffing? I know we had a number of folks who talked about uh, where it seemed to be a lot of uh, white employees were kind of scoffing at social distancing and the regulations and kind of making fun of people for wanting to do this, uh, saying, you know, this is all some nonsense and I'm not going to, you know, wear a mask. I'm not going to be vaccinated and all that. Have those folks continued with their antics or has that can been kind of quelled now that they're easing restrictions and what have you? Um, you know, curious to hear about that. Folks can let us know uh, how uh, the evolution of the COVID-19 workplace uh, as of May 2021. That would be good to know as well. Uh, let's see. Check other folks who have a hand up with us. Yeah, the first in it. Can I be heard? Caller in Florida? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, Some interesting things have been occurring throughout the week. Um, Like, Sometimes I sit to try to remember uh, what things that I found noteworthy to, to write down and type into the phone. That's what I've been utilizing 
uh, utilizing recently to uh, get my reports um, recorded, uh, written down, typed in. Uh, the first was, I'll start with the meeting that we were uh, told that was going to be happening on the, the 24th, which was on a Monday, I believe, uh, this past Monday. And I just knew it was going to be yeah, uh, a lot of uh, deception and the way to use the linguistics. And they definitely uh, took control of why they wanted to have the meeting and the conversation. It was a lot of filler. Uh, it started with uh, talking about that we were going to be reopening, we'll be reopening on the 1st after the holiday. So, you know, I have a three-day weekend. Um, so, but see, the, the, the context to it is that about five or six weeks ago, I know I shared on the program, that a black female, I guess the term, uh, had an outburst, I guess, or became a little more emotional, I guess, in reacting to how she's been approached from the other side, the white side, asking her to take pictures and being demanding on how the pictures were taken for the passports. So what came about from that meeting was the idea from her and the other black female to have a meeting from uh, or that involved all of us as a department. So I'm thinking in my mind, in the system of white supremacy, I know this white woman that's sitting before me, the supervisor, she already was not interested in trying to do that. And I think, in my opinion, it was because of my insight and you know uh, the things that I say when I speak and I ask questions and um, you know I use a certain type of style or whatever. So I think that's what she was worried about. But it's like I shared, I didn't plan to say anything at all, so I was just silent. So for five or six weeks now, this is entering the sixth week that that I still don't think we've had that meeting they requested. So that's the context for this meeting that we were told about on the 24th past Monday. And they title it, this is going to be about the reopening. So they start talking about the cell phone policy and the dress code. Um, and I can tell by the way she was speaking, like she was trying to find something else to say and, Number one, I knew that would be one of the tactics is to find random topics, uh, talk about not texting. And, and uh, she said one was quantity, uh, quality over quantity, just random, random, random things to just cause obfuscation and to confuse people. Uh, and the person with the code name, the warden, sat to this person's right, okay? And she was analyzing how the supervisor, another white woman, was conducting the meeting. So 
she just kept speaking about different things and how they're going to have the people coming in unrestricted. They're going to, they're not going to have a limit on the people and they had appointments still set for our area and the passports and for the marriage records. So I'm like, all of those areas concern or involve the area where, you know, well, in which I call the black side, right? Okay, so I'm automatically, you know, concluding I can understand they're saying that because they did set up partitions and what they call the, the, the shields and everything like that, but it's still kind of tacky in my opinion. Um, you know, and so the meetings, this meeting now, it started at 8. And we open up at 8.15. So I said, what they're probably going to do is use some kind of a filler and misdirect the conversation and get to about 8.14 and say, or ask, does anybody have any questions? (laughs) Okay. So that you don't even have the time to even really ask anything to have some kind of meaningful response. All right. And the two black female victims were on my right. And I'm trying to describe it the best way I can, because the warden is, I think, definitely controlling the conversation. She's telling her what to say. So she has this uh, uh, document worksheet out that she's looking at. And a white woman asked the question about, will there be a sign to show what directions the customers are going to go in? And the supervisor did not answer the question. The warden did. So you can tell she just talked, trying to control and dominate and looking for me personally. Eyes on me, you know what I mean? So it's either me or the the black person. So she starts talking. uh, And this is the first thing I noted that, and racists will do this. I don't know if anyone on the line, Augusta, um, have you heard of any, like if you're in a meeting and a white person will say a, a job title that another person does that's black, they'll name you. She used my name and she said, oh, sorry, I meant blank, and use another name of another black male. So that was the first one right there. And then she mentioned another job that I did and she said she would get back to me on something and I just gave a a nod. I didn't really verbalize anything. Uh, So after it got to, you know, pretty much the bulk of the conversation, uh, she says, does anybody have any questions? You know, it's a little too quiet in here for a Monday. And I think that was some, uh, racist code being exhibited. I think she said she was trying to say, um, you know, the Negroes aren't really talking. So, uh, diagonally, I'm, you know, I'm looking at her direction and she's kind of like scanning the room, you know, nobody's talking such and such needs to play her music because we have a coworker that plays all this random type of music in the morning. So, Everybody's, I guess, too quiet for her, in her words. 
All right. So I say all of that to go to another situation to where she leaves and then she comes back to probe the area again. All right. So I could see on my peripheral vision uh, after I go set up the camera and the other two victims are talking. So she, you know, is coming back around asking people individually, oh, do you have any questions? Do you have any questions? But I think, in my opinion, she came back to uh, scope the area to see if the black people had anything to say, particularly me, because they seem to always um, be affected by my viewpoint. So uh, they thought that I was talking, and she walked through the area. And the other victim was like, they should have had a meeting on the issues and the problems we're having. Uh, and she says, you know, they don't really appreciate us and anything like that. And the war stops, you know, while she's walking by and the black person saying that says, I do appreciate you. I do appreciate you. I mean, it's just so phony, uh, artificial. And you guys do very stellar work. And her reasoning for showing that she has an appreciation is some random customer compliment, right? And, you know, they both start, you know, nodding and giggling, and I can sense the fear or whatever. So I wasn't really reacting. Uh, and she looked in my direction, and she says, Oh, uh, Blank, do you, have, do you have any questions? Do you have anything? And I just said, um, I'm just ready to get the work done and I have my mask on. So I, I guess you didn't hear what I said. So the black manager, Oh, he says he's ready to get the work done. So <laughs> she was ready for her to leave. And, uh, the body language that she showed, she did a fist pound, right? You know, like somebody about to, um, like fight somebody, the war impounded her fist and, uh, and then she walked out. So I found that very symbolic um, in how she reacted to what I said. She pounded us. It's just like, all right, let's go. Like, boom. Um, and I, I wanted to read one thing uh, before I was finished. Let's see, just a moment. I got this response email, right, from a customer and I found out this is a black male because of his, he wanted a copy of his police report of his arrest. And they showed a racial classification and it had black checked off. So I'm um, thinking this is a black male, black guy. And he wanted copies emailed to him. And I've never really had this happen before. This is a first. This happened to me yesterday. All right. Um, so, you know, he was appreciative of me sending this to him, but he, he left me a message. Like he wrote something additional in addition to thanking me. So I'll read what he said. Uh, it says, thank you for your help. That police report is hilarious. They shoved me to the ground, tased my pants and cuffed me. At the time, I had just had my third surgery to repair my broken leg, so I ran nowhere and didn't struggle with the cops. At my size, if I did all that, I would have gotten shot. 
and if I ran, I wouldn't be cuffed right by the door of my friend's apartment. They were pissed at my friends for going wild at an after party and took it out on me and wrote a horror fiction novel. So that was a huge metaphor right there. Uh, and then it says, as evidenced by the judge having enough with the defense trying to drag out the case 13 months without being ready for court and all the witnesses not backing any lies from the cops. And this person says, it says this person is a data analyst, this um, victim. So person seems to be working at a, a nice job and still is affected by uh, racism. And one last thing is that uh, we close the drive through the day. Um, and a lot of people are definitely glad to get out of there. So we'll be reopening next week. And I know it's going to get very busy. So uh, I'll be continuing to make reports. And that's all I have for now. Thanks for allowing me to share. Wow. Late spring in the Sunshine State. Caller in Florida. Um, hmm. How interesting. So we ended where we started, uh, pretty much. We started out, they got, we have the meeting, the AM meeting, and as opposed to getting to real issues, solving problems, just wasting time, buckets of words. Do, do, do. Let's see, we got our water fountain drinking policy. Everybody know the water fountain drinking policy? We'll go over it just to make sure. And we got the light bulb policy. And he predicted, Dr. Welsing talked about that, when you can predict in advance that they're going to waste time. They're going to wait till we get to about 814. Then it won't be time to do anything. They say, hey, now, do we have anybody questions? Anything that they make sure? Mr. Fuller talked about they won't even say questions often. They'll say, does anybody have any grievances or gripes uh, to really make it like you're a juvenile and a child that you just oh I just want to whine for a few minutes which and, and I, this is totally victims guaranteed qualified now your co-workers they are correct I'm not even you know disputing them they're not appreciated no nigger is appreciated in the system of white supremacy However, in a workplace context, that's probably not what I would be saying. It would be something we're not appreciated, translated to we're not compensated correctly. We're not. It would have to be concrete things. Uh, We are understaffed. That's something that you've been talking about over here in the segregated section. They won't even give us proper personnel to do our work like these are concrete problems that could be solved. Like, when are you going to hire another person? We're opening back up and doing all this. When are we going to have full staff in the Negro section? When are we getting a raise? Like, these are concrete. Show us you appreciate us, not with some tacky comment, but these are concrete. And it would be very different to respond. When are they going to compensate us correctly? When are they going to hire accurate staff? Now, what is the warden going to turn around? I don't think she's going to whip around. Oh, we got that person who's going to be coming to join you all next week when we reopen. We already, we just been waiting. We were going to spring them on you and do the ta-da. Here's your new staff part. Like, I don't think she was going to spin around and do that. Or spin around and say, you all got a raise or something else. She can spin around. Oh, we love you all. Yes, we appreciate you. You are the most, uh, next way is going to be staff appreciation day. Woohoo! And we'll bring everybody a bag of half-eaten peanuts. 
and something tacky like that. And just as I said before, in a system of terrorism, Florida, that's the state of Claude Neal. They brag about lynching and castrating black people in Florida. Long history of that. Product of that is you have black people are fearful. He calls her the warden for a reason. That doesn't mean I don't think this person is some sort of clown, somebody that you come and just joke around with and, and nickname them the warden. You got these black mm-hmm. female, they're gonna sit here and say, You stop lying to us, warden. You don't appreciate us, stop lying. Or they just giggle a little bit, hope we don't get fired, hope we don't get in trouble for us over here and her us, us say they don't appreciate us. And hopefully we can just go back over to our segregated section and get the rest of our day done, rest of our work done. But I mean, what are you going to say? The uh, incidentally, the uh, and then she gets them, got them in fear and all that. They're victims of racism. Easy to do. All of us have been in that situation once or twice, probably. She talks to them and gets them quiet all that down. Stop saying that we don't appreciate you. And she looks over at you. Man, that's a subtle one. Stay away from that one. That one is he's dangerous. You got to watch that one. Questions? Hmm? And he said, I'm just trying to get back to work. Let's, let's not even getting into all this, man. You wasted the whole one. Let's just get back to work. And uh, she does the fist bump. Now, we talked about those nonverbals. There's a whole lot of things that could be done. Once she is aware, made aware of what you said, she could have did the thumbs up. That's universal, right? Thumbs up. All right. We get back to work. Giving the okay. Bing, do that one. That's the easy one. She gives the fist. Hmm. Got to keep an iron fist over these Negroes. <laughs> you got to get, got to keep this fist up here. See, might have to bop one of you Negroes to get out of line. Get back to work. Hmm. And then the warden walks back off like, dang, <laughs> shake my fist at you Negroes and get back in. Yes, you're appreciated now. Get back to work. And then she moves back down the hallway like, hmm those nonverbals um and incidentally i said it repeat i say it again anything you say in the workplace now i don't know if your coworkers, if they intended for the warden to hear them when they were saying you know we're not appreciated and you know they wasted all that time or whatever however they said it i don't know if they intended that or not but that would be the same thing if i'm saying even if i'm talking to you directly if i'm saying this I'm cool with everybody in the hallway hearing this, everybody at the courthouse hearing exactly what I say. And if that's not the case, let's wait at least until we get out of the hallway. Like you might be upset. That's another one to keep your composure. You might be upset. They wasted all this time going over the water policy and all this foolishness instead of getting to some real issues. Granted, but if you didn't intend for the warden to hear this and then to hop into your conversation uh, the and the survey that was <laughs> white people are listening that's the other component of it that is nonsense to sit around and say that white people are ignorant about racism white supremacy the warden listening that's one of your jobs if you're going to be the warden in a prison you got to be listening inmates might, the inmates may be plotting an escape talked about that with Geronimo right. Pratt <laughs> you gotta listen her ears were per- what did she say we do appreciate you what are you over here talking about them hopping that comment they study and are very alert 
to their negras. Do not be fooled and do not just be thinking that you can be talking reckless in the workplace. You you may think this is the same thing I've said with regards to even let's say it's me and uh, the caller in Florida. <clears throat> let's say we both worked at the courthouse. I'm not going to be sitting and talking to him about counter racism. The warden could overhear us. We're in agreement about something. And then, oh, Lord, now she can hop over in that conversation like it's many, many reasons. Be mindful. It's not just you that's hearing whatever's being discussed in the workplace. Keep that in mind as well at all times. Uh, let's see. And then this fella comes in <clears throat> with the uh, black male, I guess, comes in with with the request for his uh, police records and all that. Uh, and he says, that's what I said, where we started. So they dragged the case out. Now, did they go to court and do the same thing? He said they wasted like 13 months. Your Honor, first, we want to make sure that we have the water fountain drinking policy on the record. Can we get that clear? Water fountain drinking policy. I think that needs to be read uh, verbatim. We'll read it slowly. <laughs> like, we had 13 months of this for real? <laughs> like, oh my God, my life here? I got arrested. He said tased in the pants in the report that he read. Now, yeah. I, I mean, it's several broken ways. Leg, three surgeries. Three surgeries. Broke leg, three surgeries. It was several ways that I, you know, was processing that. I pro- uh, number one, I just take what he just said. Several surgeries. Broken leg. Now, I don't know if he had a visible cast on. Uh, visible limp I would think if you have a broken leg and several surgeries that's going to impact greatly how you walk like I don't think you're going to be able to have your normal stride after a broken leg and three surgeries I don't know if the enforcement officials knew that when they tased him in the leg but it would not surprise me at all if they noticed oh we got a disabled black person here. Looks like he already has a leg problem. Whammo! Tase him in the leg. Like, I could totally. I also, when he said we tased him in the leg, like, now how close was this to the groin area? Like, do they normally tase in the leg? Like, I feel like a lot of the videos, and I, I, don't, I don't even do police videos, and I feel like I've seen a bunch of them. They normally seem like they're tasing, like, the upper body, upper body area, trunk region, like, I don't generally see people tasing for the leg area, but I don't study police videos. Thankfully, at least to this date, I've not been tased. (sighs) Be that as it may. So they waste his time after they've terrorized him uh, and all this for 13 months. He says they're upset. The after party that was going on uh, (sighs) can be dangerous partying with black people like wow. Uh, so they get, he says they're upset. They're mad at his friends at the after party. And so they take it out on him and tase and beat him. He says they make this uh, horror fiction uh, about him. I guess mm. he's the, the Jason Voorhees, the, the, the Michael Myers, whoever the, the monster is in the bad movie. It's him, which is it's always the black person is always the book, particularly the black male is the monster that has to be slaughtered and killed and butchered and we just can't get rid of Um, so I'm not surprised there and he says after all this and lying and all that we get to the end of 13 months and 
Wow. And he still got this police report. Like I'm sure all that detail and information is not included uh, in the police report that he might have to explain when trying to get a job or something else that no, I'm not some criminal, some riffraff out here brawling with enforcement officials that I was a dis- Dr. Curry has a report on that. Even if you are a disabled black male, three surgeries and a broken black, a uh, broken leg, you are a Negro potential threat rapist mugger Claude Neal on you so fast you won't know what time it is hmm and again we ended where we started them wasting time whether it's we can waste an hour of your time and not to get into anything serious or we can waste 13 months of your life while insisting the whole time that you're a criminal and we should have lynched you and shot you and tased you and all the rest of it insist that for 13 months wasting time before that all right well i guess maybe you're not a criminal we'll we'll let you go we'll keep our eyes on you and ears that is the system of white supremacy folks i'm sorry oh uh yeah yes sir gus if, if i could just add um that point, I'm glad that you mentioned that. That's another detail um, I forgot to mention. When she came back, all right, I, um, I went, well, we went back onto what I call the black side, and I was going to set up the camera. So the black manager, she was coming back to ask the other black female, did they mention any issues? I guess she meant like, the issue about what they were calling respect. They kept using that word respect and talking about how they were being treated. I was setting up the camera to take the pictures. So after I uh, finished setting it up, I turned back around. And from that angle, I saw the warden sitting with one of the click gang, um, one of the uh, white females sitting at uh, the desk she's been assigned. And I knew right then and there, (laughs) she was like, "Uh uh-oh, what are they talking about? What the three of them are discussing? So uh, she began to say, yeah, that's what that meeting should have been about and not anything about policy. They could have emailed about that. So she started saying, they just don't, you know, they don't care about addressing these things. They just don't really want They don't have any concern. And then she started, the uh, warden started walking through that area, and it just looked like the black female victim just timed it just right when she was walking by. Like, like I think she meant to say that. Like, oh, she just was just comfortable with her hearing it because I guess she had uh, for weeks prior been saying, uh, when are we going to have this meeting? When are we going to have this meeting? And uh, it hadn't occurred yet, and I think this might have been a way for um, the white supremacist suspects to say, well, what are you talking about? You know, we did have a meeting. Why didn't you ask any questions and turn it back on the victims? And I, That's just another prediction I think they would use. Um because they, because you just have to be careful, and, I, and I'm sure this has been discussed on the program as well, when you're uh, speaking with uh, 
great soldiers because they can find all kind of ways to manipulate the dialogue and everything. So she stopped right there when she said they just don't have any uh, appreciation for us. And then that's when she jumps back and says, I do appreciate you. But just in that, just before it got to that, you could tell she was definitely being nosy. Like she was trying to walk through there. She saw the three black people. Y'all are congregating too much right here. So that's a little more context. I think she was trying to time it as she was walking by because she, you know, higher on a um, tier ranking over the supervisor. So that's why I gave her that war title, like you were mentioning, definitely like a prison. And, and that's it. For sure. Big plantation, big prison. That's what we have. Um, I just, I can't emphasize that enough. Like why, like it becomes especially acute in terms of white people. You're hustling and conduct, conducting surveillance. Like <clears throat> if you have black people that are talking about like racism, like we like, Oh yeah. Every like stop on the dime, like nothing else matters. Like whew, we are listening every single word. Uh, but even if you're just, you know, talking constructively, like you don't have to be talking about racism at all. You be talking about the weather or growing tomatoes or, you know, vegan meal planning. And whoop, what? What is that? About? Hmm? And like, why? it is amazing. Like, I didn't really pay attention to that dynamic when I was more confused. But as I have been less confused and particularly being in public talking about racism. Oh, wow you see it flagrantly but uh yeah you just you white people really are mindful uh, about their niggers you can't operate a system like that and be dumb about your subjects you can't operate a prison and just go around and be blind and deaf about what your inmates are doing you will have all kinds of riots and atticas and everything going on every day you won't have control of the prison you have to be listening and particularly prisons. Hey, just like the system of white supremacy, there are more prisoners than there are wardens, more non-white people than white people, way more. So you really got to be paying attention, mindful about what they're saying, what they're doing. Are they being influenced by some of these other rogue niggers with their questions and thinking? Got to be paying attention to all that. And it looks like the warden, the folks at the courthouse, they are and what our caller, um, I guess he wrote in earlier, which he said, hey, even they get some victims of white supremacy racism, they go back and report. That's part of the victimization. So even if it's not a white person directly doing the surveillance, they got lots of different methods, Alexa and all the rest of it. So you have to be real mindful uh, about what you say, uh, even your body language. And he's talked about that a lot, too. Uh, just, Yeah. <laughs> Lots to be aware of in the workplace. Uh, be very select with your wording, what you say, and who you're talking to, what you're chatting about in the workplace. Uh, let's see. Much obliged caller in Florida uh, 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 mentioned Emmy with us as well. Uh, congrats. I think uh, Emmy might have been uh, one of the folks fortunate enough to say good riddance to the folks uh, on her job. Namaste. You should be with us as well, ma'am. Namaste, Jess, and greetings the beautiful people. Yes. 
I did. My last night was Tuesday night, making Wednesday my last daytime whatnot. Um, I feel amazing. Um, of course, I have, you know, a little bit of anxiety because I've never been unemployed before, ever. <laughs> um, I like making money and I like having it. Um, but it was time for me to go. Um, and I have things planned between now and when I move and start school. But, um, yeah, I feel really, really good. Monday, I had picked up um, some shifts so that I could make Tuesday night my last night instead of working until tonight, actually, was going to be probably the furthest I would push it. But when things happened, I decided, you know what, let me get out of here sooner. And just to make sure that my money was straight, I had picked up some shifts. Once I put my, okay, so tip number one, um, this will be my second official time, um, formally, officially, properly, professionally leaving a place of employment. Um, but this time, I would say it's very different than the first time uh, in the sense that it's a big company and there's, like, more protocol and stuff like that. The first time when I put my, you know, official two weeks in, this was a much smaller company. I was contracted, and I didn't actually leave the company altogether. I left the contract and then moved over part-time residential so I could go back to school. So um, even then, I didn't, like, fully leave. I just had to vacate, like, that contract. This time, I, like, fully, fully left. I almost wanted to stay PRN, like, on call in case, just because, like I said, um, an excuse, I am outside walking, so I apologize if you all can hear, like, cars driving past. But um, where I could at least keep the job, but only do it when I wanted to. But the way that things were, it just was not going to be healthy for me. And I decided I'll just cut all ties, and it was time for me to move on and leave the past behind and, you know, have faith and trust that these steps that I'm making, I've planned them well, I've strategized well, I've thought things through and trust that I'm fine. So instead of, like, holding on to the past, because I could see them making, a, you know, making issues, still causing stress in my life for various reasons about, oh, you have to be here at this time or you have to work this many hours or we're not going to give you your PTO, like whatever kind of nonsense that they could try to do. And it would have just been stressful, so I just left. Um, but I did do the official two weeks. So my tip is to always make sure that you do the two weeks. I did not realize that they actually have a exit checklist. And on the exit checklist, it actually had a space where if you had done the official proper two weeks notice, when you had submitted it, and what was your final day, and then if you hadn't, it didn't have, like, any explanation of what happened. It just said, like, termination. And then if you don't do the two weeks, you don't get to participate in the checklist, the exit checklist. Um, you're just gone, and then they get to write in what they get to write in whatever they want to write in as your final um your final, like, goodbye, you know. And also on that checklist, it also has a place where they put your final PTO hours, what you had accrued, and what your final paycheck would be. So say you just left and you didn't leave your keys or something like that, 
that is, I think, how they have been holding people's last paycheck and stuff because people left and didn't, and they were able to say, well, you didn't complete these things. We had all this outstanding stuff, so we're not going to pay you. So that's one thing. If you're going to leave, if it's gotten bad, I would say, you know, you, you dealt with it for two weeks. I mean, you dealt with it for as long as you dealt with it. Deal with it for a little bit longer and officially do your two weeks. And make sure you understand, again, I apologize, make sure you understand the policy and procedure for how to properly exit your job um, and what all the expectations are, because I did not know that all the way. So then um, after I submitted my two weeks, they got petty in lots of different ways that I don't even feel like enumerating here because I'm in a great space and I just don't feel like it. But a couple of things that was interesting is how they began to play with my money. I actually received the smallest check I'd ever received at this job, and I couldn't explain why because I had always worked either that amount or more. And, I, I mean, the hours matched up on the ADP, so I couldn't really say anything, but it's literally the smallest check I ever got. Um, and so it's hard for me to trust that. You know what I mean? It's just hard for me to trust that they didn't mess with my money, but I have no way to prove it, so I have no case to make. Um, secondly, they messed with my money because, like I said, I tried to pick up a Saturday night, Sunday night, and a Monday night. That would have given me essentially a full check, allowing me to, term, you know, to leave on Tuesday night. And they re- removed me off the schedule Saturday night, which is something they've never done. And they said, well, we don't want you to have to work. We found an on-call person. We don't want you to have to work eight days in a row. Mind you all, I've worked um, the entire month of April, and they were asking me to come in more, come in earlier, stay later, and we never had a problem. But it was because they knew I was leaving, and I was had done that to make sure that my money was straight, that they took me off the schedule. Um, that's one thing. Then... Another thing that, again, like, so understand how to, you know, properly vacate your um, your position because the, I did not know this. So no one gave me any kind of, like, exit, you know, like, meeting or anything like that. So I wanted to know how am I going to get my PTO. So I emailed the HR at this location. They never responded. I said, well, look, we're not really going to play that game. So I emailed corporate, which is pretty much who I deal with, and she confirmed that I would receive my PTO paid out to me on my last check and all of that, and that's how I realized there should be a checklist. Well, I said, you know, I don't know any of this, but okay. So my very last night there, Tuesday night, I hadn't seen the racist white supervisor since I put my two weeks in. From the moment I put my two weeks, I hadn't seen her at all. She's there my last night, and it's so tacky because it is my last night, and she's just now printing off whatever documents I need. Now, again, I didn't know I needed documents or I might have pushed to have them, but there's beyond the checklist, there's other documents I need. And she does that very tacky way of like, well, yeah, do this, do this. I'm like, whoa, you know what I mean? And she's like, yeah, you can wait in the morning to talk with HR so he can sign off on this. And I'm like, you have to be kidding this cannot be this haphazard. I will have just worked my last overnight and will be ready to leave. And you want me to wait 
for this person, and I don't, he and I haven't even been in contact. We've never even met in any way. So then, because she didn't see me since I did that, she wanted to think whatever she wanted to think, and she got wind of medical school. So she looks at me, and she, like, went before she hands me the paper, and she's like, oh, doctor, huh? And you can just see it in her eyes, you know? And I just looked at her. Are you still with us, Emmy? Oh, oh, did we lose Emmy? We might have lo- lost Emmy. We'll have to get installments again. She got cut off at, at such a cruxed point. Like, oh, got this uppity negress. And, oh, we got her back. Okay, let's see. All right, we have you back. Let's let's get the the exciting uh, conclusion. Uh, doctor, huh? Yeah, and because I'm sitting down, and I'm so grateful to have my mask because it's a lot easier to hide my, like, face or my facial expression, anyone to hide their facial expressions behind a mask. So I just look at her, and, hmm, you know, and she proceeds to tell me about her daughter who had a white coat ceremony, and I'm thinking, I didn't know you had a doctor. So I said, I said, I didn't know you had a doctor who was becoming a, I mean, you had a daughter who was becoming a doctor. And she's like, oh, a veterinarian, and she's traveled to Africa and the elephants and da da da. And I just listened, and all I said is, hmm, I didn't know they get stethoscopes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, you know, whatever the veterinarians or whatever, but I just thought it was so interesting. I don't care, you know what I mean? Hmm, talk as much as you want. Because you're jealous and you thought that you trapped me and you thought that you were going to terrorize me and you really thought that I was so petty that I'd let you and your nonsense somehow push me out of how I make my money, please, Ben planned this two years ago when I started here. Yes, we think long-term. And I just sat there and looked at her as she was so tacky and how she, like, last minute gave me my documentation and everything like that, whatever. And um, so then my second thing, which I know I've said a lot, I'll pause instead of walking to make sure I'm not, like, super breathy when I say this. If you're not in your career, right, if you're not there, always have a plan for whatever job it is that you get. That has, like, it has served me very well in the couple of jobs that I've had since I've had a plan. And when I didn't have a plan, that's when, I mean, it probably just coincidentally coincided with my not being codified. Um, so as I got older, I got more codified and started having a plan and had better outcomes. Um, but if I know that the job is just a job, it is so much easier to stay codified. Now, I don't know because I have yet to really truly enter into my career, my profession, but certain things that I found part of the code that was really, really helpful is um, not investing too much. Like I do my job whatever job, and I do it well, you know, make sure I, you know, am true to my values. Hard work is, or not hard work, but having a strong work ethic is one of my values. So being true to myself in that sense, but not becoming so invested. Um, Setting my professional boundaries and not actually getting too close with anyone. I will admit, I didn't realize, but I had developed strong relationships with some people, and that's cool because now moving forward, we can keep in contact. Like, we already had each other's numbers, and so, you know, we can check on each other. I don't have social media, so, you know, we'll see what happens with those relationships now that um, I'm no longer there. Because, you know, 
it'd be cool to have friends, but I don't even know if you can have friends. Like, that's a question, a philosophical question, theoretical question for another time, if friends are even a thing. But that worked in my favor. And then something that is like a double-edged sword, sword for me is um, being quiet, humble, um, being modest, hidden, secretive, wear the mask. I don't know. It's a bunch of words you can use for the same energy. It worked to my benefit because no one was able to sabotage what I was doing because no one knew I was doing it. So it's super protective in that respect. But if you're not in a space where, like, so you put that mask on so that you can function in your life, if you don't actually have a space where you, like, really, you know, kind of dramatically or viscerally remove that mask, I think it can hinder, my experience is it can hinder my, it did hinder my self-confidence, um, sometimes my self-respect, a little bit of my self-value and self-worth because I had gotten so used, you know, for two plus years, because even longer than that, making myself small so that I could function in the world without getting more negativity. Because I do think if people had known that I was becoming a physician, they would have been even more nasty towards me, practiced racism even worse, and the non-white people been, you know, me catching their flack for whatever reason. So I had to make myself small to function, but not making sure that I filled my space when I wasn't like that now it's like, wow, I'm really having to practice building up that self-confidence, finding that strength in my voice, taking space. And those are things that I do think I have to embody moving into predominantly white spaces like medical school and just being a doctor in general in the future. So that's something that, like, I've, I've learned. It worked, right? Like, boom, it worked. But there were some psychological consequences for its working. Um, towards the end, there were the two, the two young ladies, one is white, one is not white, I think she's Puerto Rican, um, who wanted to cause a lot of nastiness and drama at my job. And I'm just so grateful that I made the move that I made, because if I had to stay there, it's not, it was not going to be a healthy environment for Emmy. It just, it was not going to be a healthy environment for me at all, because they're 100% unprofessional um, very nasty, tacky, um, and I was beginning to lose my ability to remain super professional and codified. I have to admit that. My level of self-care, although I thought it was on point, um, probably needs to be, re- is being reevaluated, hence why I'm outside right now. So I was like, I didn't like get any fresh air, so I needed to get fresh air. Um, so my self-care game was not really on point. Um, I probably need to reevaluate how I process like tension and stress um, and actually have. And so these are the tips that like I'm trying to hopefully people will find helpful. You know what I mean? Um, Really, truly how I process those emotions because just venting about them to people or something like that. I don't think that that really worked because I was beginning to unravel. Now, in part, I was beginning to unravel because I was just ready to go. You know, like I had my exit strategy and I was ready to go. But the way, you know, it like, it was just, it was not healthy at all. Um, and then making sure that I, like, first of all, the overnight, you know, I did it. And the truth is I did it two years here, but I actually have been doing it since I've been on participating in the cows back when I was, like, a residential concierge. So I've actually been doing overnight for, like, four years, um, just two years at this job. 
and it has wreaked havoc on my ability to have a normal life. Um, I mean, I still got things done. Like, I still reached goals. I still was able to work out. I still was able to do this, that, and the third. But to actually have a normal, like, a normal flow to things, it has been very, very difficult and has affected me in ways that, like, I probably don't actually know quite yet. Um, Like, for instance, you know, weight management. I mean, I'm taking care of that or whatever, like, it's straight, but it's been more difficult because when do you eat, you know? If I eat only, I'm not going to get into it, but things like that and just, like, when do I work out? And then how do I ever go on, like, a normal time? You know, it's just been very, very bad. And I know y'all probably already know the negative effects of shift work and overnight work. It worked for me because if had I worked during the day, I'm sure I wouldn't have had as chill of an experience these past couple of years as I did now. I specifically wanted overnight so I don't have to deal with people. But the cost of not having to deal with people is on my – it's been on my body and my mind. So I'm, that's why I've given myself almost two months between now and when I start medical school to find that normal flow to my life to heal some of the damage that's been done, to um, spend time with the people that I love, to spend time with myself, to process really all my... I think they bumped Emmy again uh, right when she was getting at making time. So many folks have been saying that, like, I, in my view, that is such an important component of black self-respect and counter-racism. Uh, to make time for yourself and people that you care about, particularly when you're at important transition points, like our Emmy is going to med school. Uh, let's see. So we got her back. So making time for yourself, being with folks that you care about as you transition. It's so crazy because I'm not even driving. I was literally standing still like outside. I don't know. Anyway, I won't be too much longer anyway. Um, Hopefully some of this stuff is helpful, but this is what I've learned in my experience. So I'm giving myself a a lot of time to do that. And so um, I will say, you know, be careful. This is something that, like, I learned. Confrontation, I've told you all, is not something that I do well with. Um, And I do need to come up with, like, a better code on how to deal with it when I am facing confrontation, which sometimes really is to just kind of, like, be quiet But then, like I told you, there are negative side effects of being quiet because, like, say I'm quiet and, like, hey, it didn't escalate. When I get in my car, I feel like, dag, I didn't even have nothing to say. I couldn't say nothing. Like, now I'm sitting here having to process these feelings. Like, whoa, you know, it's like it took a toll on my self-respect or whatever. But then also how to process the confrontation and just the feeling. Like, what do you do? So here's the one little story. Um that was really interesting. So my very last morning, it's like 15 minutes for me to clock out. The nurse is used to telling me, and I'm the, I do everything at my job. So the nurse was ready to tell me what a little girl needed. And I was like, well, that's fine and everything. And the nurse and I are cool. So the way that I'm talking is totally fine. I'm like, that's cool, but you need to talk to them because I'm about to clock out in like 15 minutes. I'm done. You know, so I'm feeling great, right? You know, I had a smooth morning. Like, they tried to bully me, you know, all night, but like I said, I don't even, but they did. I will tell you that. They really did try to bully me and were very nasty to me all night. Um, But it was my last night, so whatever. Um, And the nurse is like, that's right. So she looks and she's like, so, you know, she tells the girls, whatever. I wasn't even paying attention because it ain't had nothing to do with me at that point. 
So, because I had said I'm done. So the nasty one actually comes, like, within six inches. She comes so physically close to me, and she looks me up and down, and she's like, oh, so you done. And I snapped. Like, I was like, I don't know any type of which way to tell you, but, yes, I'm done. Like, I was, she pulled it out of me, y'all. She pulled it out. But in some ways, I know, like, that's not professional, and Emmy is not over here telling people to talk to people like that at their job on their last day. I am not condoning that behavior. I am, however, saying that I actually don't feel bad that I did it because they have been trying me for so long, and I, I needed to say that and kind of take some space. Like, back up off me because you came six inches. Like, it, it was a hostile physical affront, and if I had not, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how you push somebody away from you because they're so physically close, and they're trying to intimidate and bully me. Like, come on. You know what I'm saying? But all I can say is I made it. I'm done. I'm sure I'm probably going to have more things to, like, share as I reflect and process these past couple years because, you know, I spent two years getting cussed out by little kids. Two years with kids trying to fight me, trying to throw chairs at me, throwing it in WWE. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's been, it's been a lot that I've been dealing with, so I know I have to process it so that I can process it and be done with it. So I'll share things as it comes up. But, y'all, thank you so much for all of your support, encouragement, um, and just your listening ear as I kind of make my way through life and try to figure out how to be professional in a world that doesn't even really see me as human and doesn't see me as doing anything at all good, positive, and wants to just rape me in every type of which way, you know. But in the terms of work, like financially, energy-wise, time-wise, you know, it is hard out here. And so it's really nice to be able to um, share some of that stuff with y'all. But I will say I've been sleeping, I've been eating, and I've been sleeping, and I've been eating. So I've been chilling. Um, But, yeah, thank you all for listening. Three installments. Got it in three installments. Um, sleep is so important. They just had a big series about that. And that's another one. We were talking about hair loss in the uh, pandemic, the 15 months or whatever it's been of COVID-19. Uh, sleep disruption has been an enormous problem. So I'm very pleased to hear that you've been sleeping, eating yummy, healthy foods, and then sleeping some more like that is spectacular hopefully you can get a lot and particularly for you because you were talking about this you know it worked well for you you didn't want to be around a lot of people in your workplace situation over the time that you were doing your work uh, which I can totally relate to like that is hey app minimize contact like right on it Um, but doing it working that shift where you're up late at night and what have you like it can as you said it can really take a toll uh, on your body uh, and mentally, it can exert a toll, uh, just disrupting your. In fact, I think they have studies and a number of reports about how people who do that long term end up with health problems and at higher risk for lots of uh, other types of uh, health problems and things. So I'm, I'm just I think it's spectacular black self-respect uh, to extricate yourself like, hey, this is, you know, conflict that's unnecessary. I'm going to take some time to get my body and mind right as I transition to med school. I got bigger and better things to do with my time and energy, like than sitting here just trying to, you know, make sure I can get a few extra nickels uh, to cushion my transition to Dr. Emmy, like uh, all logical and well and good. But I mean, psh, get that rest and uh, 
the vindictiveness in the workplace. Like I cannot stress that enough. Like Emmy going to med school and we've had people who didn't even have ambitions that lofty, like smaller scale, like I'm just going to get like a typing certification. Not that I'm, you know, saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that's not saying I'm going to be a medical doctor. And the same type of cattiness and vindictiveness, like doctor. And it, I mean, it comes out in so many different ways. Like, oh, don't you think you're special, nigga? Because my daughter is in veterinary. She's a veterinarian and she went to Africa and she saved 50 children and she can swim, you know, 80 miles in three seconds and ran, ran all the rest. Like, come on. That's what I said before. Like, I'm not interested in all of that. Like, I'm not here to hear about all of your personal problems, your trot, your child's tribulations or triumphs. Like, that's why you haven't heard me talking about med school and all of that. Like, let's just keep it about the work. Thank you kindly. Like all of that vindictiveness. And now I got to turn around and sabotage you and allege that you stole 50 sets from keys here. So we can't give you all your accrued paid time off and all the rest of this nonsense. Now we got to take you off the schedule. Patty Ness, like my gosh, like, uh, Oh my God. When Dr. Welsing and others have talked about color envy, like we, you can see it in a workplace setting in so many different forms. Uh, I think, and Emmy has even talked about before, if you're a black person and you just fit, you don't have to come in and brag and boast and Ooh, look at my abs. And, or if I'm a guy, ooh, look at my pecs and look at my six pack or you don't have to do any of that. Just, you can wear normal, correct fitting clothes. Where you're not trying to show out anything coming in dressing looking like a professional employee and that alone got this fit black person that sort of thing on a regular basis Uh, that sort of invite that toxicity that I talked about that sort of environment that's why or one of the reasons why I think also super important as she emphasized exiting a job in a correct professional manner Uh, as she said if you've been on the job if you worked there for three years three months whatever it is like you should uh, as they say suck it up as best we can for those last two weeks Uh, as she said like hey that's one of the ways right there they try to be vindictive let's see if we can get some of your money like oh didn't do the two week notice so say you didn't go through the process and oh you didn't hand in your uniform we'll charge you $500 for that oh you didn't hand in your keys that's another $500 matter of fact study your last paycheck you owe us (laughs) $6,000 like go through the correct process and then vindictive like they can contact future anyone contacts about a reference or anything like that like oh this person was horrible and no two week notice and they didn't turn in their keys when they left and all the rest of it like the cattiness and vindictiveness uh, of this environment and that you will experience regularly in the system of white supremacy I mean it is staggering not saying that you won't experience this from non-white people too because often you will but man, racist man and racist woman, when they find out the Negras with ambition and some competence. 
Good job keeping all of that under wraps for two years. Job well done. Them not finding out. I just view it like the the metaphors that you were talking about, like making yourself small, which is interesting. Um, I just kind of view it as like the spook who sat by the door, right? Like uh, Dan Freeman, Dana Freeman type of a thing. Like you don't need to be uh, an open book. Another metaphor for racist man, racist woman. Uh, I'm not in a friendly environment, so I don't let them know my agenda, my plans, my goals. I'm just doing what I do, keeping my head down, making myself small, just keeping my head down, not being an open book and getting things accomplished quietly, selectively, efficiently getting things accomplished. Doesn't get any better than that. They just wake up one day, Dr. Emmy. Oh, Negra, I would have sabotaged her if I'd only known. I know. I know. Much obliged. Uh, keep us abreast, uh, hopefully. And that's why I say, too, this broadcast is not for spectators. You know, it's for folks, Emmy and such, caller in Florida, other folks to kind of share. Because I think it's not just like in the DMV area that they do this. I think you have vindictive white people all over the world when they see non-white people who are competent and professional, look like they could advance in the academy or the workplace. They do the same types of things and sabotage and, oh, you're training. Let me interrupt and talk over you and do things to mess up your presentation. They do this sort of thing all over the world. What does it mean to be white? What are we talking about when we say system of racism, white supremacy worldwide? Any other folks, commentary, questions, suggestions that they want to make sure they include before we wrap up again? Congrats to uh, Emmy. Be able to get away from a job get some rest and healthy food and then uh, ah, med school on the horizon with uh, lovely summertime to enjoy before you ride off into med school. That is outstanding. Uh, any other folks, comments, questions, observations they want to share before we wrap up this Friday? We'll be back. Compensatory call in tomorrow. soon folks are all good for the week uh, again the San Jose uh, shooting like they just had that shooting in Indianapolis these are workplace events these are not just the sad to say uh, run of the mill regular shootings that they just have you know because somebody's upset about the NBA playoffs and they lost a bunch of money or you know random white man in Las Vegas decides it's time for a shooting out in the Vegas this is I'm mad at my colleagues go kill a dozen people or so take it very serious like I said if anybody in the workplace they're talking the com like the caller in Florida the guy saying I'm fitting to shank you like man that's exactly what I'm talking about Gavin DeBecker the gift of fear that it should be incomprehensible for a statement like that to be uttered by anyone in a workplace like what are, shank who what are you talking about like this is not a prison and you're certainly not shanking another employee like uh, we're going to conduct ourselves as professionals at all time workplace safety that's what we are about promoting workplace safety but yeah those types of incidents comments that's what I'd be trying to stamp out completely get that Wall Street Journal uh, report 
and I would talk about the San Jose incident, the Indianapolis incident. Just make sure that we're doing everything that we can to promote a safe workplace environment. Uh, let's see the make sure I get the title. Oh, and he was questioned. They said he was questioned. I had that one uh, shared to the Samuel Cassidy questioned by law enforcement. Uh, yeah, Wall Street or this is not even Wall Street Journal. They had a report, too, but this is at WMFE. We're seeing a spike in workplace shootings. Here's why at WMFE dot org it's on my uh facebook page i don't know if i tweeted this one out or not but it's definitely on facebook anyway um print it out the wall street journal report as well there are a number of them but take these sort of things serious if anybody looks hostile potentially dangerous menacing in the workplace less than professional in the workplace speak up Take it serious. Don't ignore the red flags. Even with this fellow, Samuel Cassidy, lots of folks said, oh, yeah, we saw this coming. This was not some, oh, he was a wonderful guy. I can't believe it. Nah, we knew he had been talking about doing this for a long time, years, apparently. Anyway, we'll be here tomorrow. Compensatory call in 9 Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy we need fully functioning brain computers to solve this problem they already got enough things attacking us and poisons and what have you we don't need to pay for any racist narcotics in addition to being sober if you're going to go out like I would be very alert just been talking about San Jose and all the other incidents like be very mindful uh, if there is anybody really uh, who is being loud, hostile. This is not a time for like confronting strangers in public. Uh, I would be, in fact, it would just be exit. You don't know if this person is armed. You don't know if this person has an entire armed entourage. Exit. You can call enforcement officials as you are exiting. Uh, in addition to being sober, if you're going out and about, uh, you are buckled up if you're driving, you're sober, you're not on the cell phone. Uh, we're doing the small things that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, the Mark Furmans of the world, badge or no. Uh, little things, being buckled up, being sober, not on the cell phone, small things that we can control. We also need all of our attention. Be mindful about what's happening around us. That said, creator, we ask that you help us Remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim Your brother problem. you're a victim uh, i'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning mm -hmm. even my conditioning has been conditioned <laughs> with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.